Hi, everyone. Welcome to Office Hours. If you're watching on YouTube, you can find out more about what we do at officehours.global. Our first hour is general discussion about media production, and our second hour is usually something you want to spend a little bit more time on. And today, we're going to be talking about the Apple event. Uh, it may have seemed like a, a minor thing, and, and they were mostly talking about Macs, but we really think that it was really just a commercial for the phone and how it was produced. And to make sure that we kind of squeeze all the learning out of it, we're going to take the behind-the-scenes video they had and really try to break down and do the best we can at identifying almost every object in each scene, um, just to kind of try to figure out what those all are, um, and we'll we'll talk through it. If you're in the in Mukana, definitely be ready to, to chat us We'll have your chat opened. So if we can't figure out exactly what something is, you might be able to help us. So it'll be kind of a group project that we work through in the second hour, a bit of a lab. Um, so stay tuned for that for the second hour. And we have a special guest as well. So stay tuned for that. Um, and um, so, uh, yeah, but if you have questions for the first hour, go ahead and throw them in. Um, it is, uh, you can go to Makana or you can go to here. Just ask officehours.global. A lot of questions come in every single day from askofficehours.global. So um, if you can... Uh, throw your questions in there. You don't have to sign into anything or just throw the question in and then we'll feed it in. If you want to vote on those questions, then you can jump into Makana and to do that, just go to officehours.global and check out Join Us and you'll start getting emails in the bottom of the email, a link to join and be able to vote and do all those fun things. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the questions. Mitch, what do we have? Thank you, Alex. First in, Andy Kokendorfer from Vieira, Florida asks, how would you feed a live panel discussion into Discord? Cut and paste. <laughs> so there's not really any good way to do it. Uh, Discord, I don't think it really has any of the tools to do that very well. I mean, you can you could cut and paste if you have a discussion and you want to um, uh, you want to do a live panel discussion. Oh, into Discord. Sorry, I'm I mis I misread. I thought we were asking for comments out of Discord. Um, Discord has its own streaming capabilities. I think that they're pretty limited. I think that I don't know if the numbers are still limited for a while. It was like 25 or 50 people that could watch a video. I think the audio was a little higher, a couple hundred. So I think that there's a way to, uh, to do it. And in fact, I think the, the audio version has increased a little bit, um, in that area, but it's been a little quirky, <laughs> like, you know, like it's, you know, obviously Discord, this is not their, uh, their, their thing, but there, but, but there is a way to stream into it. And I just, we tried it early on and decided, you know, we were like, oh, we'll do special little get togethers inside of discord. And we found it so limited that we stopped using it. So I, I'd have to go back and, and revisit. I, I'm sure that they probably made it better, but in the early days, at least when they first started doing video streaming and audio streaming to it, the, the quirkiness and the limitations on the numbers were so problematic that we just gave up on it and move back to what we were doing. So, um, let, yeah, we'll, we'll do some research. Maybe you'll see, because of your question, you might see some tests into Discord, into our Discord, just so we can see what's actually, you know, what's what. Um, next question. And it's our first QR code question coming to us from Manny B in Dallas, Texas. What's a good affordable video playback and graphics system that will integrate with the Ross Carbonite switcher? We produce daily corporate meetings and internal corporate events. So we need a quick playback solution. Ross playback is too expensive. Okay, so what he's basically, you know, the Ross playback or expression and so on and so forth is probably more than he wants to spend. So there's a couple different things that you can do in that in that area. Um, so for playback, I mean, obviously the most affordable is something like Playout B, which Jonas uh, Dottel makes. He's in our own group, and that's a it's a, it's a small one. It, it's uh, you can run on a Mac PC or Raspberry Pi. Um, you can also run um, you can 
run another another thing that you can you can put out there is uh, the Hyperdex themselves. The Hyperdex are network controllable, and the ROS that open platform. And I just can't think of the name of it. I'm sure Bo will send me a thing about it, but but um, I can't remember the name of it. But the ROS has an open architecture where you can design things and make calls, and that can talk to a Hyperdex. So you could, and that doesn't cost anything. So you could have your ROS switcher talking to a Hyperdex, and so you could use Blackmagic's playback for playback um, to make that actually work. Another program that you could use is something like Softron on the air, um, also QLab, all of those will take um, take commands. And again, if you use the ROS routing, you can reach out and talk to those things um, as you go. So so those are, those are other playback systems that you could use for graphics. You have to think about it. SPX, which is what we use on this show, um, is a, is one that would actually work for that. Um, again, you're now talking about two different things, but that, but SPX is is one. There's blue to blue titler, blue true blue blue titler um, that I haven't have obviously haven't used very much. <laughs> so, but because we use SPX here, um, and so, but that the SPX is, doesn't cost you anything, but you might want to have Tuomo do some development work for you um, to put that actually um, together, and that. We use key fill out of Casper CG, which reads reads the SPX um, into our our show itself. Go ahead, Courtney. I was going to ask you does it uh, does that raw switcher require uh, Genlock? Uh, so you'd have to have a player. I don't know if it requires reference, it. reference in so that it would be in sync, um, especially, especially with if you got an alpha channel coming out as a separate feed. Yeah, I don't know if it. I don't know if the ROS requires it. Um, I think that um, most of the time the software. Um, the software that I that I will as far as SPX goes, that reference would go into the video card that you have there. So you'd be sending the reference into the video, you know, into a Blackmagic deck link at that mm -hmm. point. So so you'd still be be able to do that. Um, but I don't I don't know if the ROS requires that or not. You know, we'd have to we'll have to do some more research on that. Mitchell, does the um, ROS talk to the SDK in the uh, Hyperdeck shuttle? Because I like the shuttle, but it's just not great for uh, doing tops and tails and building a uh, uh, play uh, playlist. I, well, nice the, if it does that. The raw switcher or not, but but I but I you should be able to run the commands that you'd like to run from uh you know from the ROS. And I just I can't think of the open source not the open source but their open platform. They have a ROS platform. I'm looking. Oh oh here it is. Hold on, Bo. I was <laughs> like I was like if I keep on struggling, Bo's going to send me a text. Um, and uh, <laughs> so the Ross dashboard, Ross, thanks, Bo, thanks, Bo. Um, and, uh, uh, Ross dashboard is what you're, what you're looking for there. And he says, any software can receive a network command should be controllable via either the Carbonite directly or through the intermediate dashboard panel, reach out on discord. Yeah. So, so the, um, so we'll, 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 that'd be probably a fun little project is to, is to tie that, tie that together. So there you go. Uh, next question. Next up, John Snyder from Reno, Nevada. What is your risk tolerance when it comes to purchasing B-Stock? Courtney? I usually think it's not very risky, if you're, especially if you're pur purchasing B-Stock directly from the manufacturer. If you're purchasing it, you know, fries before it went under was notorious for selling refurbs or B-Stock. Uh, and then you didn't know what it what was has happened to it because they would take stuff that would sold to somebody out of fries and return to fries because it was broken or didn't do something or somebody did something to it and fries would put it right back on the shelf and sell it as refurb but uh nobody really looked at it maybe they plugged it in see if it lit up but they didn't do a a, a comprehensive check most of the uh 
refurbs that are sold by the manufacturer do come with a limited factory warranty. Sometimes instead of a one year, they'll put, make it 90 days. So at least you have that to fall back on. You can return anyone. I've had really good luck with uh, refurbs for commercials. We used to, when we needed like, you know, 50 monitors, we'd get them from the manufacturer's B-stock. And out of the 50, we may have one that had some quirk to it that didn't work correctly. So uh, we would have to ask for another one or replace it get extras. But uh, I've had pretty good luck with B-Stock from the manufacturers. Uh, and if you're buying like off the Apple side, if you're buying refurbs, you know, those are have been checked out to meet factory, uh, uh, you know, factory conditions and ship them out with a limited warranty. Good, Mitchell. I agree with uh, Courtney. Uh, first of all, B-Stock is usually a product that's uh, been open boxed or a uh, manufacturer has used it at a trade show. So it's very lightly used in most cases. And if it's referred by the manufacturer, it might as well be a brand new device that's been tested for you, uh, which is the way to go. So if I'm buying Apple uh, refurb or B-Stock, um, it's as good as the new thing because they offer the same type of warranties. And um, it's, uh, it's like if it had a cork in the manufacturing, the chances are it would have showed up during that B-Stock. And plus it's cheaper. So what's not to like? Yeah, I, uh, I use B-Stock on anything that doesn't generate revenue. So I buy used cars, I buy used houses, I buy used televisions for my house, uh, I buy all kinds of things that are used. Uh, but if they're actually making money for me, I buy them new. Like that, that's kind of my, that's kind of my rule of thumb. Um, and, uh, because I don't want any, I want a long warranty on it. I want the full warranty. And I, and I also want to know just that no one else has used it at all. So that's, that's kind of my, my rule of thumb. But I, but I, but, but all the houses that I bought, which is one, um, and all the cars that I bought, which is, I don't know, five or six, um, and lots of other things I buy used, but I don't, I don't buy things that make my, make me money, uh, used. Um, next question. Next one in from Scott Pulsifer from Philadelphia. We need to build our production room monitor wall, which is two chairs, a 10-foot wide by three-foot high max area. What monitors would you choose? Bigger screens, quad split, or multiple 27, 32-inch screens? Best value or cry once? Thanks. So when I have built those in the past, I have generally used 27-inch monitors. So those 27-inch 4Ks, it's really hard to get 4Ks in. And what's nice about a 4K monitor at 27 inches is that it comfort, relatively comfortably splits to 1080s. So you can give it, you can get a quad split and, and split four things into it, and you're still seeing 1080p. So, um, so what I have found to be the most successful, and it also has to do with the weight, um, I put these on these racks or on these trees. And um, now the other thing you may want to think about is mixing and matching. So depending on what you're trying to do, you may like for oftentimes what we'll do is have a couple monitors that are like, oftentimes they've been across the top, which are like 55 inch monitors. And these 55s, you know, it might be three or four 55s going across the top. I built something almost identical to what you're asking for. And what we did is we had four 55s that went across the top of that 10 foot piece. And then we had, I think it was, I want to say eight, eight of the 27 inch Dells that went down below that. And we had one that was a reference monitor. Um, so there's a Sony reference monitor that we could look at and know that's the only one we trusted color. <laughs> like so, so there was all the rest of them we purposely did not uh, try to calibrate. We don't want anyone telling us that they think the color's off by looking at the monitors other than one. <laughs> like when we all, we all crowd around it and go, okay, that color is right. Um, it, otherwise you just end up, it's just like a you're chasing your tail uh, most of the time. But that worked out really, really well. Go ahead, Courtney. Yeah, I'm with you, Alex. I would have uh, maybe four 55-inch 4Ks 
Uh, they don't have to be really great monitors with multi-views feeding into each one of them. And the way the, that's a lot better than using discrete monitors because the multi-view you can rearrange that the you know whether it's four up you know four four monitors per screen or. 16 monitors per screen or eight, you know, nine monitors per screen, you can uh, change that multi-view. So to accommodate more inputs, if you suddenly need more inputs, you don't want to be adding monitors. So you need several with multi-view and then maybe two, uh, two program and preview that are maybe higher quality Sony's or, or medium quality uh, 27 inches of 4Ks uh, for your program and preview. And the rest can all be uh, you know, multi, multi-view uh, big screens because you just need to see basically what the composition is before you switch to it. You're not judging quality on a lot of those incoming signals. Uh, so uh, cheaper, the better, and the more versatile, the better. Yeah, and, and it's just one of those things that the um, I, I, I don't like to have. I mean, I think some people get into buying really nice screens for every screen, and I do think that that... Um, oftentimes get you into, you know, as, as Courtney said, you're spending a lot of money on something you don't uh, necessarily need. Here's one that, uh, this is the one I was talking about. Um, this was our little control. Uh, I, so I have less monitors than I said I did for that for that space. Um, let me see here. So let's, um, it was out of my memory. This is my memory versus the photo. So, um, so here you have, this is a very small little control room that we had in Washington, D.C. for our little tiny little studio. So, um, you know, all of this kept the sound, uh, this kept the sound down. Let me see if I can get that to work. Um, this kept the sound down. And then, of course, this was, a, we, we had this built, so we have little turrets, and here's our comms and everything else into it there. Um, and then uh, here's our 55 inches that we can just, we, obviously, we have 16 splits and all kinds of, you know, big programs, so we can always look up and check focus. Um, then we've got a couple, you know, kind of more space here. Here's that calibrated monitor that I was talking about there. Um, and then, of course, this is a controller for our um, our PTZs and we're using telemetrics heads for that. And then our switcher, our little X32 with a little um, X controller. But that and that is a for a three or four camera shoot in a little studio worked pretty well. You know, um, now what's hidden from that is that that's kind of got local local routing, and then there's a whole room that you don't see that's full of hardware <laughs> that, that made all a lot of that work and and had any kind of overflow needs uh, managed. All right, let's go ahead to oh, and to go back, I'm, I'm a rare return to a previous uh, thing. Um, Carbonite can accept reference or generate its own. It also has licensable format converters, uh, frame syncs on each input, but one way or another, sources must be synced. Uh, next question. Samuel Norvik from Norway. In your opinion, what is the sweet spot of the amount of people at a venue before it makes sense to IMAG? Uh, that's, a that's a great question. We actually talk about that fairly often. And I think that for us, we usually start talking about three, 300. Uh, 300 is about where we end up. And a lot of this has to do with the, how your room is set up as well. So if your room is very long and wide, so for instance, if you think about um, if you put a, if you have a, um, a small stage and then you, you know, a small stage and then you're running, you know, let's say 10, uh, you know, 10 seats on each row. So you're doing 20 per row, you know, you can go 200 is only 10 deep, 300 is 15 deep. So 300 is, is not going to be that far away from them. But once it starts getting about 300, you're going to have a problem. Now, if you reconfigure that, we've done a lot of stuff where we have it in the round, and then we have either on three quarters or we'll have it like this. 
Um, and if you do this, for instance, on a roundtable discussion, and what we've done in the past is then in these gaps, we put screens here so that they can look up at whatever you're talking about. Or it's on iMag, but it's just something you can look up at. And in this configuration, um, you know, you can, you know, 300 or 250 people is like 20 feet from the speakers. And so because you've pulled, you've used the, all of the geometry that was available to you. So it depends on what you're doing and how you're doing it. Um, so so we've, we've built them in a couple different ways. But on a, on a standard, you know, kind of traditional process, we would say somewhere between three and 500 and 300 is where we'd start really thinking about putting up. But 500, after 500, I would say you absolutely need iMag uh, or people feel like they're really far away. Uh, next question. Tobias Martin from Dusseldorf, Germany, has a QR question for us. How can I utilize keyboard shortcuts or simulate key presses using Companion without having the native Stream Deck software installed? Unfortunately, attempting to use Visrio in this scenario was unsuccessful. Do you need the native Stream Deck software on to use Companion? Is that... And I have to admit that I have not used Companion enough to know. Uh, I, 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 I've worked on projects with Companion where someone else set it up for me. I'm, my home office is all Stream Deck, like just the Stream Deck native software. Um, yeah, go ahead, Chris. Um, yeah, sorry. I, I'm not certain. Uh, I was just doing some of this with Jack yesterday, and I think you do, but I don't. I don't know 100%. All right, we're going to have to come back to that one. Sorry about that. Yeah, go ahead, Courtney. Yeah, I think if I recall, I have mine unplugged right now, but I think when you plug the Stream Deck in, it requires the software to be loaded for the drivers to work. So, oh, right. Okay. Whether you use it or not, you know, even if you're using Companion, I think the drivers are loaded and the software right. is loaded on your computer. Yep. Next question Jeff Cohen from Miami Beach, Florida asks, Bill's worthless red shirt pet smart video footage could have been saved. Thoughts on how Adobe's Firefly Video AI and Project Fast Fill will change problems just like that. Uh, I don't know if it'll change problems just like that, but we, I definitely, I don't, and I've been using um, the AI fill a lot. <laughs> like, you know, like I had, I had one, I use, um, I had a, uh, the most recent one is as I was I was doing some lower thirds and the lower thirds were for a red carpet. Um, and the um, and anyway, these I, I wanted to have the director, you know, in the in the shot in kind of a red carpet environment. So you could see the name of the director underneath it and you know, get a sense of what it's going to look like. I, I find that if you hand people lower thirds without the image, an image behind them, they make bad decisions like they make decisions about things. They don't realize what what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, and so, uh, so I, so I, I had the director, um, I put the director, but the, but they were all vertical shots of the director. And so I just, the funny thing about generative fill is you don't have to type anything in if you want to fill. So you just select the open space and hit go. <laughs> it just goes, okay, I'll just do this. And then you hit another one, hit, just, just hit return and it'll just fill the spaces and it filled it quite nicely. And, the, um, and I, uh, was able to then throw it in as an example. I don't use it for, I haven't not, I don't think I've used Firefly or or the Genitor Fill in Photoshop. I don't think I've used it for any like production production, but as a previous tool, as you're filling things out, I think that it's pretty great. I also used uh, for that lower third for those lower thirds. I I I did try using Mid Journey for all the all the subjects and thought that it was it's pretty cool. Um, Courtney, 
Well, you don't need AI to change the color of something. We've been doing it for many years with, uh, you know, Ultimat. Uh, I remember working on some Levi's commercials where they these Levi's came in multiple colors, but we just shot the commercial with green jeans, uh, green colored jeans, and they changed the color in post on all of them using Ultimat. Just matted out the uh, green color and put in any color that they wanted to uh, with a linear key. No one knew the difference uh, when we shot the models with just one color. Yeah, I used to do, um, there was a time when I think I did a couple of, for months I was in MacBreak, uh, the MacBreak video. I was, it looks like I was wearing different shirts for every show, but it was just one blue shirt over green screen. So it was a blue shirt over green screen. And all I did was just like, it's now red, it's now this, it's now that, it's now this. Um, you know, especially if it's not a color that's close to skin or whatever, um, being able to do selective color change is a really easy project in almost any video piece, any, any video software. Go ahead, Mitchell. Yeah, selective color has been available in After Effects. I would uh, do that, spot the color, and then bring my friend Hugh in. <laughs> uh, next question. That's all I get? Okay. Douglas Carmichael asking, uh, Ableton announced Live 12 today with many useful features. Uh, what does the panel think? It's a monster of a program. <laughs> you know, so, so I think that this is probably a better Wednesday question than a Tuesday question as far as who's who's here to talk about Ableton Live. But I uh, haven't been able to, um, you know, usually if you do things that are announced today, we can announce that there, something was announced today, but we don't have a lot of opinions about it yet because we haven't had time to look at it. Um, but the, you know, the um, the features look good. Uh, you know, Ableton is a, it's just, you know, I it's really interesting. I, I What I was interested in to, to look at was it feels like Ableton and of all things, logic are starting to go kind of like a, a lot of the features in logic are actually um, really focused on many of the things that Ableton, you know, does. So, um, yeah, so I'm not, you know, the the big things that they, you know, that they're, they're, they're talking about here in this uh, specific one is being able to reshape, reshape MIDI patterns, um, you know, do more uh, with Macs for live, um, you know, more tunings, um, a way to, oh, they're putting in, <laughs> A way to stay in key, um, edit um, edit MIDI uh, more easily, modulate more flexibly. So you know those are all the things that they're they're kind of uh, working out. I mean, it's a super powerful program. If if anyone's seen, um, you know, Todd Reynolds has been on our show a couple of times and done some just eye popping work or ear popping work in Ableton uh, with you know both traditional and modular and everything else. It's it's a really really powerful program. But I, I'm not as familiar with the. Uh, the new features yet because it just got released. Uh, if you have questions for the first hour or the second hour or comments about the Apple event breakdown, um, uh, go ahead and throw those in. Uh, you can use either use Mukana if you're in Mukana, but if you're not in Mukana, you can just use askofficehours.global um, and uh, or use this little QR code right there. Um, but askofficehours.global, you can throw those throw those in. And remember, you can throw those questions in 24-7. So if you have a question that pops up in your head, you don't have to go anywhere, sign in into anything. You can you just simply drop the question and then we'll feed it into the system. Next question. From Jack Rupel in Breckenridge, Colorado. Earlier question Monday and last week on a neutral density filter iPhone, I want to make a new backplate for a cage for NDF while keeping LiDAR sensor clear. Attach two 17-millimeter threaded NDF to spatial camera lenses. I shoot in bright conditions with snow on the ground. Your thoughts? Good, Courtney. Well, you're going to have a problem because uh, as I see it, doesn't the LiDAR, isn't the LiDAR sensor this thing right here underneath the lenses? Yeah. But so if you get a big round, round uh, neutral density filter that's going to cover all the lenses, it's going to also cover 
that LIDAR sensor, and I don't know if it's going to interfere with the LIDAR sensor because of the reflective glass in front of it. Um, the other thing I thought about maybe you could do is, uh, someone I'm sure will come up with some, but there are these little tiny uh, neutral density filter sets for the uh, drones uh, that you can get uh, that are, they stick on the front of the drones and you could make a little round to square adapter. They're held on by magnets. So you could uh, either 3D print an adapter that goes from that round, uh, the round front of the iPhone to one of those little neutral density and stick one on it whichever lens you're going to be using. And perhaps it wouldn't interfere with the, uh, the LiDAR sensor. But uh, I think you're going to have problems. You may have problems. Just it's, try it. Just hold one up and see if it uh, messes up the LiDAR Yeah, the build something. You, you uh, for the, the spatial are the two, can the two lenses that are side by side. Um, so you'll turn it to a, that orientation. And so it's a matter of covering those up without cover. It doesn't, that third lens won't matter. For spatial and um, the spatial, by the way, if you haven't uh, seen, is in the new beta 17.2 um, that is out there right now. Um, I have not had an opportunity to shoot very much with it, but uh, I did upgrade so that I could get access to it. Um, so, um, and it's, I mean, from all reviews, uh, it's pretty impressive as far as uh, being able to shoot stuff. And then folks who have access to the headset have said that the result is pretty. I think a lot of people thought that people were going to shoot spatial. Uh, birthday, um, you know, like birthday uh, celebrations and everything else in uh, with their headset, but that's probably not going to be the way they do it. They'll do it with the phone and then they'll deliver it to the headset. Uh, I'm going to shoot my, my son turns uh, 16 on the 24th and uh, I'm going to shoot his birthday in, in spatial. I won't be able to see it <laughs> until I get the headset, but I'm going to still shoot it that way. And um, anyway, so we'll see. So, it, so to shoot... Fun. To shoot spatial, you have to shoot in landscape mode. You can't Thank shoot goodness. in portrait mode. Thank yes, goodness. Thank goodness. And you're it's, using these two lenses. It's now here forcing here. everybody to go back to sanity. You know, so so like it's like well, you cannot do crazy things anymore. You can now have to if you want to if you want to be spatial, you'll you'll learn how to turn your camera ninety degrees. I know it's hard. It's but it's all on the wrist. It's all on the wrist. Um, uh, next question. O'Cordell from Charleston, South Carolina. I'd like an easy-to-ship, easy-to-set-up solution for two 1080p monitors, along with their keyboards and mice. I found the Mobile Pixar's Geminos Dual on Amazon, but I'm still exploring options. You know, uh, the Mobile... Let's see here. And I, I apologize. we uh, I didn't get to this before the show, um, but the... Uh, Oh, these are like little ones that fold out um, so that it folds out from the... Oh, these are so... Um, that's interesting. Yeah, it folds vertically up to be two monitors and then closes like a laptop. Uh, for you to... Yeah. Um, it probably would not be the way that I would do it. Um, let's see here. This is... Uh, let me... Let's pull this up so you can see it. I guess I, somehow I ended up in a Best Buy instead of Amazon, but it should be the same thing. Um, so this is what it what it looks like here. Um, you can kind of fold it out. I mean, that, that looks like it would be very uh, fast. So uh, it's kind of interesting as far as a sandwich goes. Um, these are, uh, I don't think that they're, are they, they're not touchscreen, are they? They're just, um, they're, they're just, monitors it, it made me feel like they might be touchscreen from here but i don't think that they are um 
It's an interesting format as far as opening those things up as a, and it looks like you can kind of open up in whatever or kind of whatever orientation you want. Um, I would, the way I have done it is to, with arms. So I know it's probably not as easy to ship, but what we have, Amazon actually make, so at home I have cheaper arms, these Hawanu uh, arms that I use, but they're heavy and bulky and hard to put on. The ones that work the best for the price are the Amazon one, Amazon Basics. It's about 270 bucks, 280 bucks, and they're, they're just arm arms um, that you can clamp onto most tables. And, um, and then they come out and you can put two, two 24-inch monitors or 27-inch monitors on them and they just float them around. I have to admit, I like that a lot better because I just, I swing, I'm so used to swinging monitors into the position that I want them in, I would have a hard time. But they are much heavier than what you're, what you're looking at here. Um, but I feel like you get more flexibility. Go ahead, Chris. Two things. Number one, uh, can you define an arm arm? You said they're just arm arms. Well, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> there's arms. I'm confused on the, arm the, the exact terminology of arm arm. <laughs> I don't know. I, does that, it's early does that in the morning. You can grab it and move Yeah, it? you can move it around. Yeah, you can move it okay. around. Okay. So yeah. mine, I've been buying the cheap ones. They go in, out, left, right. But to move them up and down, I have to get um, tools you're out. Living. You're not living. So that's not an arm arm. That's just an arm. That's just an arm. Yeah. But I got you. Arm, okay. arm, and yeah. the other thing I was going to say uh, to Bo and anybody, actually, if you've never set two monitors on one computer vertically like that, like that picture, you should try it and make sure you like it because there is an awful lot just from a user interface, like I touch my computer all day thing that you don't realize that you capitalize in, on the fact that when you take your mouse, you, like, for example, it's, it's, you go into your menu bar. Uh, it's, let's say it's a Mac. You slam your mouse up against the ceiling, so to speak, click and pull down the menu. Or if it's a Windows machine, probably the same thing. You, you know, slap your mouse down to the bottom of the, um, whatever they call it down there, the start bar, or the, I don't know what they call it. But, um, but you do that, I do that all the time. I go boom, click, pull. And so when you, when the seam between, oh, sorry, microphone, when the seam between your monitors isn't a ceiling or a floor, it's a lot more uh, mental thinking like, oh, I have to reach and click here and pull down. It's a, it, it might seem subtle, but I ran a couple of monitors on one computer like that for a while, 30 years ago. And really quickly, I was like, oh, this is for the birds. This is not, this is not the way humans should be working with computers. Go ahead, Courtney. Well, I found, I, I'd seen this before somewhere, uh, this, this thing called uh, Tropire. And it's a, a screen extender for your laptop that extends it with two additional screens. It folds flat and fits onto your laptop on either side like that, which looks pretty uh, slick. You just get about the same size as your laptop case. You could slide it in and add two screens to your laptop for mobile working. So you'd have three screens when you're working in the field. It's a tropire, triple year. Triple your pleasure, triple your fun with tropes. If I may recommend, if you're flying with that, you should probably get a center seat. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or make, you're going to really annoy. Well, you can run it, you know, you can ask your seatmate what movie would he like to see and just put it on I the know. Oh, Yeah, so if you're a family, you sit in the center, but your kids could be sitting on an on, on aisle and, 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 uh, and, and, 
and this window and you could all watch, you just mirrored across there and all of you could be sitting there watching the same movie together, but not together. That'd be weird. Uh, next question. From Chris Widener in Lafayette, Indiana. Azure Virtual Machine, anyone using it for virtual production, relative cost versus AWS? I don't know anyone doing small, any medium to small work. I mean, the only thing that I see people using Azure for is industrial size solutions that are usually lots of linear channels or lots of, you know, um, you know com very complex workflows. Um, and I don't see it very often. Um, but it, but there are folks who are using it as their kind of their they built an entire infrastructure to manage their streaming platform or something like that. And then Azure, Azure is something that I've seen folks use for that. Um, I've not seen anybody use it for a day to day production. It's almost all AWS. Um, next question, Jack Rupel from Breckenridge, Colorado. For iPhone, is there an inexpensive solution for a GNSS RTK based station for ground truth of photos, photogrammetry, and lidar? SparkFun has one for approximately seven hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what this is designed to do is really give you. So um, I, I I think that what he's talking about is when you're when you're the the GPS solution that he's talking about here um, is the the design is to um, it's a it's a style of that is it, the problem is is that you have a GPS locator but it's not accurate. Um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, one is is that uh, I don't think the, the military used to round it off um, so you'd only get plus or minus 50 feet. I think now you're down to plus or minus like 10 feet. So you have a point here. Uh, it's a bad color. Um, we have a point that's here and it is, um, so you have this radius that you're, that you're dealing with and you want to get that down to something more precise. And so what you need to do is you find known points that are inside of a system. And so um, if you have a radio system, you can say, I know something's 30 miles away and I know this is, this is, and I know what, what, and I can triangulate, you know, what those are and I can get that down to millimeters. And so what happens is then you have that known point at a location. I'm, I'm, I'm just guessing this is what Jack is asking about. Um, and so what ends up happening is you have that known point. Now you use radio transmitters from there to constantly come back to that point. Um, and they calculate their, their relative position, but they also calculate their distance back to this to this home point. So we might set a home point up at a location and then every time we, we'll drop a transmitter down, um, we'll attach it. So the way we, the way you, the way you make this actually work is that let's say you have a, you're surveying. So the, the one we've, that I've used in the past is what's called a, a, a Trimble SX-10. And the SX-10 has two, two things. Um, it has a LIDAR, relatively low LIDAR. I think it's like 60,000 points a second, but that's nothing compared to like a million points a second on the Leica. And the new Leica is like 2 million po points per second. And so 60,000 is relatively low and relatively what we would consider sparse. Um, but the uh, but the advantage that it has is that it has a surveying tool built into it. So it can, it can go into, a, go back to a reflector. So what you end up doing is it, it can calculate the exact distance that it is from a reflector. And and the reason that that's important is, is that you calculate this radio distance and then you have a point that is, let's say, a reflector that pops up. And then you have the SX-10 um, that is that is drawing that point from there. And here you're dropping a dropping a pin. You're actually putting nails in with little flags on them to um, to identify where those where those pins are. When you calculate this hard distance and you calculate this distance, um, you can, you're going to get a very, very accurate result. Um, and if you keep on doing that, so if I calculate another one like this, 
and, and other ones like this and then ones across. As I do this, I start tightening that calculation. So I'm building a bunch of triangles and as, as you do those triangles, you will, you, will cut, you will get a more and more accurate calculation that will give you, it means that every point that the SX10 sees, so all the 60,000 points or million points that it, it grabbed, every point because it draws back to that, cal that calculation is accurate. Um, or that's the calculation that you're making. We know that it's accurate to this level from that that LIDAR, and we know where that LIDAR was down to a couple millimeters, which means we know where those points are down to 10 millimeters or 20 millimeters or whatever. And so that's the kind of thing that you can calculate with what I believe Jack is asking about, um, just kind of referencing it, just glancing at it. But it's, uh, I have no idea how to do that with a phone. So to get back to your answer, I don't know how to do that with a phone. I, I have done it, uh, as I said, uh, with um, much more expensive hardware. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep our eye on it. And the person to ask, I'm going to get, um, uh, yeah, I'm going to get Fred Feichert on uh, to one of our shows once we get to the new year. Fred's a good friend of mine and he uh, made, he's the only reason I knew anything about what I just drew, which is a very crude solution here is because Tommy. <laughs> so, so anyway, so I'll, I'll uh, we'll try to we'll try to bring him bring him on, and we've we've done some fun stuff together. Uh, next question. QR question in from Agent Ogden in San Francisco, California. Seems like everyone is excited about the new Final Cut Pro updates, which amounts to basically nothing. The Final Cut Pro versus Premiere debate that kind of started was getting interesting. More of that, please. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Um, first of all. Agent Ogden, is your first name Fritz by any chance? Uh, interesting if it is. So um, we don't know that the Final Cut Pro update is nothing. I mean, I just double-checked. It hasn't been released yet. Maybe you're uh, speculating on what you've heard. You know, I, 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 I think I would hate being Apple because... If you don't release like, you know, an Apple branded hoverboard at every event, everybody says you're not working hard enough. It seems seems like they're always working, but nobody's ever happy with it, what they get. I I haven't seen the update yet. So I, I don't know what you're seeing. Good, Courtney. And I and we'll probably talk about it in the second hour today. Uh, is I found it interesting that when they showed the behind the scenes of their Apple commercial that was shot all on the iPhone, it was edited in Premiere Pro, which was very strange for an in-house Apple production. Yeah, I think that um, I, I think that the the issue really is that um, number one is I, I think Apple should have cut that show in Final Cut and shown it that way. I think that was a very odd solution there. I, I do think that Apple Apple we have to remember that Apple's number one. Uh, so Apple doesn't have any. Uh, uh, predators are really even competitors at this point for their market. So they, in, in general, like their phone market and everything else, they're not, the only thing they have to worry about is um, uh, antitrust. So so the, the, literally a Apple's like so far ahead of their competitors in the areas that they're in, they're not really competing with them. They're just worried about the government telling them they can't do this anymore. And so a lot of times when you see them showing competitive things before uh, their own things, show, you know, showing that they can include other things, a lot of it has to do with the fact that, hey, look at all the places that we're playing nice with others. Um, and so, you know, and so there, so some of it, I think, comes from that is that they just have to be super careful now because they just really aren't, you know, like when 87% of kids under 18 are using an iPhone, uh, that's a big deal. 
Like that is a, like that, like if that terrifies Google, like that's why Google is making such a big deal about this messaging thing, because, you know, I've talked to my kids and they're like, oh yeah, the green bubble is a no, no joke. Like they, like nobody wants to be a green bubble. Like they just feel like they're, they're either really weird or, or their parents don't, don't like them. <laughs> you know, like that's like, that's how, that's how that, that's how it's viewed in high school right now. And so the, um, and so the, so it's, it's a really rough thing. Why is Apple paying attention so much? And I think that if you look at, the iPad version, you look at where Apple's going and making it really easy to edit fast and really focusing on efficiencies, not a ton of features that we want as, you know, seasoned professionals, but what you want as a social media person or what you want to build as you're building is to go back to that. 87% of, of everyone under 18 is using an iPhone. Who is the next market? <laughs> like, you know, like it's, it's them, you know, and they're going to be coming out and, and um, showing them they can produce professional quality results on an iPhone by doing your keynote that way, uh, building tools that make it easier for them and not listening to necessarily all of us to do that, um, I think makes a lot of business sense. We may not like it, but I think that, and what I saw with the stuff that Apple was doing is really working on, what they're working on is the efficiency of, of, of moving fluidly through content and being able to tell a story very fast um, in content. They're not trying to put every bell and whistle that everybody else puts in. They're trying to make it efficient of what most people need to do a really good job without a lot of work. And um, I had to do a Final Cut project last night at the last minute. Did I, I had to turn, so I, had a, I had a file from a project I was working on. We were doing a live project. Something needed to be delivered very quickly. And did I take it into Resolve to do that? Because I, I I know that it'll take a little while for me to tweak and figure out. And there's a really good pro possibility that I could export it. If I was in a rush, I could export it the wrong way out of Resolve. And then I have to do it again. And, you know, the, you know all these things. So I took it in Final Cut, did all the things I needed to do, exported it out. Was it perfect? No, but it was done in 15 minutes. <laughs> so so it was, you know, and that's, I think that's the thing that, you know, I, I and I go back and forth between, like, if I'm doing a big project and I'm going to set everything up and put all my pins in, I'm going to use Resolve if I'm going to do a fast project and I need to get it done right now. I'm going to use Final Cut. Yeah, go ahead, Mitchell. Yeah, feature parity between Final Cut and Premiere is constantly like this. They're constantly one-upping each other. I, I, I mean, don't if think somebody so. comes I, out I, with I, one I'll, thing I'll, and then uh, Premiere comes I'll, out with text-based editing. I don't even think it's, it's like wonderful this, wonderful how that works, you know? I don't think the feature parity is the—I don't—Premiere's got way more features. And Resolve's got way more features than Final Cut. Like, I don't think that there's any feature, there's no feature parity anymore. Um, you know, Premiere and Resolve are way ahead of Final Cut when it comes to features. Yeah, I, did, I didn't put my but, but, Resolve but, Right. Here. Well, no, but I'm saying they're all, the, those two are, Premiere and Resolve are competing for features. Like they are, and I don't, you know, they're, they're in a, you know, they're in a cage match between each other, trying to compete with each other to go after the market that is right under Avid. Like Avid lives in this world where they don't have all those features. It doesn't really matter because they have people who are never going to change, you know? So, so they're going to, you know, so they've got all these, you know, they've got that all there, but Premiere and Resolve are fighting for this. They're fighting head to head and throwing incredible amount of money. Avid has, or, you know, Avid has what it has. It's not getting any bigger, but it has it. Like, and it's lock in. Apple is, you know, playing for, I think, I mean, Chris can tell me, but elegancy. You know, like they're looking for elegant solutions to how you do an average, pro you know, a good, solid project that needs to be done. I don't know, Chris, if that, if that makes sense to you. Um, <clears throat> yes and no. I think that there's, um, 
I think that at the top, I'm just going to say this. I think that at the top, there's some fundamental um, problems with, with the, with the brain trusted Apple. Um, I think that, I think that most, a lot of people at Apple are, and this is going to make some people mad. A lot of people at Apple are too busy keeping their jobs to do their job. They're, they're driven by their 401k and, and they've lost sight of what Final Cut could be. That being said, um, we lean heavily and rely heavily on features in Final Cut that nobody else does. They're, nobody else is trying to do them. And I completely agree that Premiere and Resolve are in a different class. I don't need that stuff. What, what right. I what I need to do I need to come I need to complete projects quickly, uh, efficiently, and I need for a broad level of um, a broad range of editors to be able to work on them uh, without getting bogged down by you know an, an, another thirty uh, you know, preference screens like you deal well, with in in Resolve. Yeah, and and I think that you know if you ask me like you have four someone hasn't used an editor before and you have four hours to teach them how to use it and then they got to go out and shoot some stuff that's going to look reasonably good. I'm going to teach them Final Cut. <laughs> like, you know, because it's... I don't even and need all do, four hours. I can do that in about 45 minutes. We, we have editors that work for us full time that have never edited in tracks. Right. And, oh, yeah, yeah. and th- th- like never once. Mm-hmm. And, and when they came to us, Danielle is a great example. Danielle is a great photographer. She, everything in her mind is, is a, is a, is a framed, you know, piece of work. We're going to teach you how to edit. Oh, okay. And, and she's a great editor because she sees things in a frame as a composition, but she, she never had to like learn how to edit. We just said here, this is what you do. Oh, okay. It's it in that regard, final cut is way ahead. Now, Mitch doesn't need that. Courtney doesn't need that. Alex, you clearly don't need that. But there's to a lot of people, that is the thing. That's that's the bell curve, right? That's right. the bell curve. That's the heart of it. And that's why there's more people sitting at Final Cut than anything else. You just don't know who those people are because they're not, you know, making Hollywood movies. Yep. I go, Courtney. Yes, I want to correct some things I said earlier. I said that Apple produced those in house, they uh, actually didn't. The production company on the those uh, stuff was Radical Media, which is a commercial production company in in L.A. and New York and London, and uh, so they did probably all the post work to uh, Radical Media's. But, but uh, and I'm not sure who if TBWA is still their ad agency. But so since they uh, you know Radical Media probably would you know choose their their own production post production uh, pipeline. I still think Apple should take one scene out of every TV show that they do and just make and and pay someone twice as much to do it in Final Cut. Like just as a, as just a like let's just see where we're at and, and tell them they don't have to do all the scenes, but just one scene out of it, one you know one piece. Um, it would be really interesting because I think it'd be useful for them. But I don't think that the the reason that that probably, probably won't do that is I just don't think that TV and film is Apple's target market for Final Cut. Like I just Definitely think that not. they. It's, it's, there's a lot of quirky requests and they're still going to use Avid. <laughs> like, you know, like, so, so that, you know, or Premiere or whatever, or Resolve, they're, you know, they're, they're, it's, but, but they're, it's, there's, and they, they'll ask for so many, the things that, the reason that I use Resolve is because there's a lot of niggly things that I need that Final Cut doesn't have. Um, and, uh, but I, I know that I'm going to Resolve to solve those problems. Um, next question. 
Kyle Hummond from uh, Chicago, Illinois. I'm in need of a pop-up internet in downtown Chicago. Budget-conscious suggestions. Uh, budget cautions is complicated. I mean, a MiFi is going to give you something. Uh, you can get multiple uh, modems with a pep pep wave, uh, pep link, pep wave. I always get the two. They, they, there's a product and a company, and I get the two of them mixed up. But pep wave has ones where you can now get a. You know, the hard part is like if you're not if you're getting a really short term like a pop up from Verizon, getting a one month or or a per month to month. Um, cell number is really painful. So you, you might have to get a one year to, to make that actually work. Um, then there are, you know, services that, you know, the, the um, our, uh, disaster recovery, you know, so Keenan Campbell, who's in our group, uh, has services that will just give you a box. Is that, is that, did I get that right, John? Disaster recovery, is that right? So Keenan Campbell, who's, he's in our group itself, and he's got a great, I mean, if I was going to get somebody to help me with some, a pop-up in Chicago, I'd call Keenan and talk to him about it. And um, because he's someone in the family and he's done a lot of work and he understands how this this actually works. So um, you can probably find him on Discord. Go ahead, Courtney. Yeah, check the uh, local cell providers in the exact address where you're going to be shooting because there's a lot of 5G point-to-point -point, uh, stuff available from the uh, cell phone suppliers that do pretty decent high bandwidth uh, 5G uh, fixed point. So that if, if you've got a clear shot at one of their 5G nodes, uh, you can get pretty good bandwidth. Uh, so just check their coverage maps and see if they have a fixed point 5G for a reasonable price. Next question. Next one in from Douglas Carmichael. With so many pro production apps moving to the iPad, when would you use an M a MacBook Pro for mobile production instead of an iPad? Mitchell. Um, I'm not really into making that decision because uh, with an iPad, it's kind of like, uh, your little finger, unless you add a keyboard to it and a mouse, then maybe it's got on a on a parity with it. But uh, I would say MacBook Pro. Uh, I use MacBook Pro 100% of the time in production. Like I don't, I don't. Uh, my iPads I use to review things in production, but I don't, I don't use uh, iPads for actual production in the field. Um, you know, and, and I and I there's just too many things. I need to open up the real Photoshop to, to do stuff, and then I need to open up the real Final Cut to do stuff. Um, you know, and I, I need it to be the the full thing. I think that we could get to a point. I oftentimes think I could go to an iPad, but I haven't actually done it yet um, because it's just just not enough. And file file management on an iPad, I know that they're making it better, but it is just a royal pain in the neck. Like you know, and so just being able to drag files and move them is so painful that um, it keeps me from actually thinking about the iPad as a viable production platform. Do you think uh, that Avid is uh, working on that right now? Avid? No. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's just, but I just, 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 just trying to find a file. Like, I have so many things I have to do very quickly. I have to grab this file, and I have to do this thing, and I have to move it over. I just need to be able to drag it onto my desktop for a second, and then I'm going to put it in my app, and I don't have to figure out, like, oh, i got to save it to the files folder and blah, blah, blah. It's just a pain in the neck. Um, so, so I love my iPads. I usually go to a production with two iPad Pros, to cover communications and all kinds of other things while I'm in a, in a show. That's what I had yesterday. Um, but uh, I, don't, I don't use it in, uh, in production. Like, I don't use it as a production device. Um, next question. Chris Widener, Lafayette, Indiana. For recording software training on one machine, are there any gotchas for recording Parallels content? Uh, there shouldn't be. Um, the only thing you'll get caught up in is if you're doing any anything with copyrighted material. Uh, I think even Apple, even through Parallels, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure if Parallels will do it, but all Apple products will make that screen black. <laughs> you know, so it's that they they have the copyright stuff kind of tuned all the way out. So I think that that would be the only thing I'd be worried about. I don't think that that is going to be your problem, but you should be able to capture it from Parallels without any 
any issue. I will say that almost all the captures that I do, uh, I don't do screen captures. I do HDMI out into a, now I capture in 1080p, not in 4K because the screen is easier to read. Um, and I do that with a Pix, Pix 240 because the reason is, is that it's a, it is a camera out, uh, means there's no pressure on my computer to do captures. Um, and it, and it is, um, it's so that it just, it just does the thing. Um, and it also is not affected by that copyright problem, <laughs> so, which is very useful for me. Um, and, uh, and so that's the, you know, that's the other piece of that puzzle. Um, I do think that ScreenFlow, if you're on a Mac, is the best screen capture program to use if you're going to use software. Go ahead, uh, Mitchell. Yeah, you, it's funny you mentioned the Pix240. Every time I'm, I'm putting it on the shelf for the last time, I have to bring it out to do something. It's just an amazing little device. Yeah. Uh, next question. Tommy Shands from St. Paul, Minnesota. <clears throat> Pardon me. What is the correct way to get the audio from a mixer into OBS? We're currently going through an ATEM Mini and having problems monitoring volume output to the stream. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, Tommy, that's a... Interesting problem. I think the best way to monitor what's going to the stream is to set up another machine and listen to the and listen to the stream. You know, in your control room. I will say that when I was doing the little tutorial for the uh, loopback thing we did last week, um, I sat down and, as it turned out, I was like, "Wait a second, how am I going to record this?" And it dawned on me, "Oh, I could actually just record it." In, in OBS, and I've, I had never really done that before. And the reason I can't, I couldn't record it in the ATEM or the output of the ATEM is that I'm currently using a, a, a USB webcam and not. I, I've never set up the the uh, other camera at this location. Um, and luckily, I have Jonas for a friend because the file format output is funky. And he goes, "Oh no, it's super simple." And I got to tell you, I mean, I, I should do a tutorial on how to do it for those that don't want to get that deep into it. Um, it's wicked fast to take that thing and make it into something that's easier to, to share. But I did that whole tutorial just live in one take, almost no rehearsal, and recorded it all in um, the OBS. Next question. Can we discuss uh, having mics in your shot? Looks like Chris and I have adopted the peekaboo method. Go ahead, Courtney. Well, I'm the only one here apparently today that has the out-of-shot method, and mine is just below the frame here, and it's in horizontal mode. And what horizontal mode allows you to uh, take the connector, and you don't have to have the right-angle connector because it comes off at a right angle, and I put it just below the frame, and it's still just as close to my, my, to my mouth as, uh, as the others. The uh, a problem with uh, a PR40 like John's using is it's an end address microphone, so you have to have it kind of pointed at your mouth. And uh, you have to be pretty close to it to get a good signal out of it. Uh, so that kind of precludes it from being out of the frame uh, and maintaining the framing that we like here on uh, office hours. Go ahead, Mitchell. Yeah, I don't mind so much uh, having it peekaboo or fully in the shot. What I do mind is seeing some people on YouTube now have their big MV7s and they're holding them and using them as a hand mic. That's weird. It's a new thing to just use the SMB7s as a handheld mic. That that is a funny. Uh, it's a funny thing to think about there. 
uh, I will say that taking a radio quality mic and having it between four to eight inches is absolutely the most superior way to have it. It's a physics problem. It's just the closer you get to the mic, if you get too close, you, know, you start getting this kind of like, rrr, rrr, rrr. but if you, at a certain distance there, as you move the mic away and out of the frame, and I put the white mic in the frame on purpose to socialize the idea, which we already see by YouTubers, as you can see, is that having the mic in the frame is okay because it sounds better. <laughs> it always sounds better. It, it, it might be, you might say that it's acceptable to have it out of the frame, but it always sounds better when it's in the frame. Uh, next question. Vic Hernandez from Springfield, Missouri. Following up on culture, did anyone mention Ralph Nader's new book on rebellious CEOs who did the right thing? No, I haven't read it. Don't know. Uh, it's probably out of our, out of our expertise. Uh, next question. Alexander Knight from Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, Canada. Um, editing an ATEM ISO recording in DaVinci Resolve, is there a way to select all the clips from a specific camera angle? I sometimes need to make batch edits like zooming in to reframe somebody. Oh, that's a really good question. I think you can do that. Can you do that in Final Cut, Chris? Can you select all? Yeah, you can do all of them, right? You can. You can I, I'll tell you, and I realize you're at Alexander, you're asking about Resolve, but the the unsung hero of the funnel cut world is the in uh timeline index window it's not normally open it's a classic example of uh apple's progressive disclosure timeline index is an absolute crutch in the final cut world i love it we'll do a lab about that sometime in the near future uh next question Paul Wallace in Austin, excuse me, he's in Hot Springs, Arkansas now. Um, I went to both Apple stores in Austin yesterday, replaced a cracked case on an iPhone 14 Pro Max. I'm getting a 15, um, I guess Pro that's Max. a 15 Pro Max. So how can I protect it better, screens and case? And what about the waterproof cases? Uh, I don't use the waterproof cases. Um, uh, I'm using the Peak Design um, uh so I have a Peak Design, thank you, Osmog, um, and um, I have a Peak Design case, um, and it has a whole bunch of features on it. You can I snap it on to, on my on my car. You can put it on tripods. You can do a bunch of other things. It's got an extra. It'll handle inductance and it's magnetic, and it's really cool. Um, and then I put I don't know which one I put. A, I have a screen protector on the front of it, so it's in a little cocoon um, as it uh, as it goes through there. And so uh, um, uh, so that's the you know that's the advantage there, um, and uh, uh, I love it, and I drop my phone all the time. <laughs> so, so it's it's a, it's a pretty common thing, and it, and it's still in pristine condition. When I when I handed my last phone to my wife, it was in perfect condition. And the, the only problem I have is I gave it to her in the peak design um, setup, and of course she broke the front glass almost immediately. But it was only that front cover, so all I have to do is get her a new cover. Uh, next question. Michael Patra from Poland asks, can you recommend generative AI software for video animation? Uh, generative AI software for video, uh, gener uh, it's Runway. Runway AI is the big one that's, um, uh, hold on one second. Uh, um, the uh, Runway AI is the, uh, um, is the one that everybody's using. <laughs> so that's the and uh, we, we I want to do some we'll probably do a lab in this before this two month like transition process uh, continues. Uh, next question. Uh, next question from Jeff Cohen in Miami Beach, Florida. Black Magic Forum follow up looks like they added support to use the Tapatalk app. 
with their forms back in 2012. Guess instead of updating the forums, they just push you to use the app. Anyone using it for this or any other forums? Um, yeah, I, uh, uh, I have uh, used it a little bit, but I just go to the web forums. I, I found the Tapa Talk thing to be weird. <laughs> so so it, just, it just bothered me. Um, so anyway, yeah, so that, that's, the, that's the problem there. Um, the, uh, yeah, so a uh, quick, quick reminder, we, of course, we're going to be talking about the Apple event here in just a second. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to be talking about the Mix Pre, and we've got some folks from sound devices and maybe some experts internally that are going to be there. So it um, should be fun. It's a Mix Pre lab. We're just going to be talking about Mix Pre's and talking about how we use them. Very casual. Uh, on Thursday, uh, Robert Green, our own Robert Green, who's, who's in our team, is going to be talking about EVSs. EVSs are amazing and uh, he is uses them every day so check that out um, we're going to be talking about our website and what we want to see on friday of course saturday and sunday are open questions and introspection so uh, stay tuned for all of those and now we're going to jump into the second hour welcome back to the second hour and uh, we are now talking about uh, the apple event why are we talking about the apple event you're probably wondering um and uh, the apple event i you know, so I, long ago, 15 years ago, if you go to my, my YouTube channel, uh, the, just Alex Lindsay, you'll see it. I, I put the video up because I found it somewhere. I, I actually downloaded it from, I don't know, somebody else's site because I had lost it long ago. And, um, and it's actually the most viewed video I've ever made, which is a couple million views. And it's because Wired picked it up the day I made it. So Apple had released the 3GS. Hold on, let me see if I can find uh I can find it really quickly. Apple had released the the 3GS, and um, and I was excited about it because I was like, they're going to start making movies with it. Um, let's see. And I should have had this up before we started. I apologize, but uh, hopefully I made it. See, yeah, there we go. Um, Bandwidth for this podcast. You can hear it. Cashfly. It's C A C H E F L Y dot com. All right, hold on. Uh, so I um. Cashfly. Oh my gosh. Hold on. Oh. Sorry, I, I, I know that I should understand how to do this in, in uh YouTube has a thing on their page that is a little frustrating, is that on the web page I can either go full screen, which it'll take over my computer like or I can go or I can only show it small and I can't seem to pop it out is kind of crazy all right let's all right there we go so let me uh, pop this up here so this was the thing that i did uh and this i don't this is 2009 so 13 or 14 years ago so uh, this here was um uh, let's see here i'm gonna turn so you can see <laughs> so here i am with a lot more dark hair, um, but showing this, uh, and this was in our little office, and there's Derek, or I mean, uh, Dylan. Um, and uh, anyway, so this was me cobbling together something, talking about the future of what this was all going to look like. Now, Apple's version of this is much nicer, but this was me just grabbing stuff in the office and, and trying to imagine, you know, what you're going to be able to do with a 3GS, um, you know, again, a solid uh, almost 15 years ago. And, um, and we could see it then. It wasn't just me. A lot of us could see like eventually you're going to have enough quality to um, you know to make this actually work. And uh, Apple has arrived <laughs> 15 years later after all of those things. And and I think that 
one of the things that was really great um, about their keynote, and I, by the way, I, I truly believe that them showing the their hardware, the new hardware was completely useless. Like they didn't need to do that. They could have just released that with a press release or a short video. I think that they did this specifically. To sh I think this was an iPhone event. Like the, you know, the, the, what we saw with the Apple event was an iPhone event that we um, that 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 Apple sold us as um, a hardware event. And so um, it is a we'll we'll look at a little bit of it um, and then we'll answer some questions uh, around it. But um, uh, yeah, right click. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, um, anyway, so the um, uh, so we're going to go through it. And the idea here, what I thought we would do for this, this a little bit more of a lab, little um, is is to is for us to um, you know, analyze the, analyze this, you know, frame by frame of the behind the scenes. So we're not looking at the actual Apple event. We're gonna be looking at the, at the, um, the behind the scenes here and talk about the different, um, you know, uh, look at the shots and talk about what we're seeing in the shots. And to the best we can try to identify, the game is um, uh, to try to identify every, uh, item in there so that people understand what's actually being used um, uh, for this. Um, so um, anyway, so we're going to go through it. And I have a good friend that is joining us uh, to who already has a video about this, uh, Tyler Stallman. Tyler, can you can you hear us okay? I do. So, I think I'm all set on my side. Hey, yeah, let's... excellent. So, so I'm going to, you know, we're going to look at this here um, and we're going to try to go through uh, so Tyler, Tyler, I, Tyler had put up together a great video and put it up on YouTube. And then I was like, we should do a live thing and we'll just do it in office hours and Tyler with game. So, so Tyler, along with our, with everyone here and, um, I'm going to, it's going to, it's a little hard for me to see all the bits and pieces that I'm working on. So my recommendation for the panelists, since it's a, it's a relatively uh, intimate panel is just to call things out when you talk about it or just talk about it. It'll just be a little bit more of a conversation, a little less of, you don't have to raise your hand on the back end, just say what you want to say while we're talking. So um, so anyway, so let's go ahead and uh, and take a look at, we're, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through the behind the scenes and we're just going to jump to scenes that have, that are that are mostly, um, uh, that are showing the behind the scenes and we'll talk about what we're looking at here and trying to give you all the tools that were used for this. So here we go. And Tyler, just go ahead and call things out if you see anything that's specifically interesting to you. I'll, I'll point out a couple things that we see here. So this is a, this is most likely a Teradek. Um, so that's some, you know, it's a bolt of some sort. I'm not sure which bolt that is. I think it's one of the, the bigger bolts. It's not the Ranger, um, but it is, I think the, their 3000 bolt or 5000 bolt or whatever. So that's most likely a receiver um, that's sitting here. And you, we've used these in the past for um, some of those bits and pieces there. Um, this is a Technocrane. And so that Technocrane, of course, the big, the big thing about it that is not similar to a jib is that it can extend out. So um, so you can extend the shot, you can go straight out, and that's why all these loops are here is because you are, um, uh, it, it gives it the, that's the slack it needs so that it just, it can kind of push out. Um, on the end, and we identified this during the show, and I, now I can't, uh, I can't remember the name of that head. Um, the Does anyone remember the head that the... Uh, that's a, we had talked about it during the show. I had figured out what it was, um, but uh, maybe someone can uh, throw that up, uh, throw that in there. We'll see that head a couple times because it's been popped up. And of course there's a teleprompter here. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a prompter people teleprompter attached to that head, but I don't know for sure um, what, what prompter they used. Um, I, I don't know what these lights are. I believe that those are 
Yeah, go ahead, I, Thailand. Yeah, I saw a few people call out that they're Sky Panelists. Sky Panelists. 60 Cs, um, probably. Yeah. That was just other, Sky other DPs with uh, DOP choice snap grids on the front of them. Ah, very good. And then this is just a big rail that they've used to just kind of mount everything. Um, this is, I believe, is a Fisher dolly um, that I think that they use in a couple, I saw it in a couple of different places. Um, and the Fisher dolly just has a lot of articulation and it's just really beefy um, as far as, um, you know, what it what it needs there. I think that that's pretty much everything. Here's another sky panel over here. Um, this is the... Uh, um, the, I believe that this is the entrance. This entrance here is the one that is kind of facing the same direction as the store. Um, you don't quite, it's kind of down the road a little bit from the store, but it's, um, I think where a lot of the buses go in and out. So, um, so anyway, but the, um, but that's where, that's where they did this. So this is actually a physical location. That's yeah. Ha having attended Apple events, this is where I've entered the building each time. It's kind of, I think it's the most public entrance. It's where the, yeah, it's on that non, street. Non and the Apple store is just up the street, in. right? The it's on this, it's on Tantal, right? Where and the store is just right up the, I think like yeah, I think so. to it. Well, and there's one other thing. You can only see it, uh, the strings on the sides here, the cables, but there is a, a big light cloud above him as well that's kind of filling the overall area. But uh, that yeah. part of the challenge of this whole BTS video is that they show different, comp like, you know, they didn't edit it into the way that we would want to break it down. So later on, you do see that they're, they're floating a really big fill up above that's just lifting the area because obviously those sky panels aren't going to, do a whole lot to the staircase or anything. And is that an Airstar, do you think? I, I don't know the brand, no. I, okay, I couldn't yeah. tell from it. The it one that we've used the, the, end, so the one we've used the most is an Airstar, uh, is the one that is, a, is the, I used to have a bunch of them. <laughs> so yeah. I'm particularly sensitive to it. Yeah, go ahead, Courtney. I, I noticed that the, the reason that you normally don't put uh, sky panels, you don't normally put your lights on a uh, Chapman or a Fisher dolly, uh, I think because it was the spooky thing they roll those in they had the overhead light on and they had him enter in kind of silhouette and they rolled those lights in to bring them up rather than because they they also were moving the camera in on a crane since they didn't have the ability to zoom uh very much on that uh, on the iphone so that's why the techno crane is extending out uh, the arm is extending out toward him as he comes in and they're rolling those uh, fill lights in on either side since they had to be moving uh, to make that one shot work uh, to go from spooky to well illuminated. Yeah, that was actually one of the most exciting things to see is how much dolly work there was on the lighting. Um, you know, you can sometimes it gives itself away, but they are doing it seems like they're actually doing it constantly. Like every every large light is in movement throughout a lot of these shots which makes sense, but, you know, seeing the reality of how they're doing it was, was really interesting to me. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, putting things, uh, you know, doing this kind of thing, um, uh, when you can put it on a dolly, one of the big advantages is that it just gives you some, or, or, you know, when you put the lights, when you, anything you can put on that you can articulate means that you'll get more creative because you can make those decisions in real time. It's not like, oh, everybody has to go to coffee while we have the lighting, crew rebuild this you know rebuild whatever we're doing you can simply like in this dolly with that light you can do it during the shot but the other thing that's important is you can tune it uh while you're working so you can go oh we don't you know we need to um uh you know we can move it in a little bit closer move it away move it up move it down and we can figure out exactly what we want because we can have it that's one of the reasons it's so important to have a grid a lot of times in your studio is because there's a lot of decisions you will not make if it's hard um, and so by making it easy, I think that it, it definitely moves um, that forward. So let's, oops. so let's go back to this shot here. 
And what we will, I will remember what that head is. I have not used that head. I, I have, I mean, I, I think I did actually. The space cam? Uh, yeah, I think it might be a space cam. Um, or a I sparrow actually, head, maybe a sparrow head. I think it's a space cam. Hold on. Um, it does have pitch and roll. I actually did a, a segment that I don't think that, uh, yeah, it's the MV, yeah, it's the M, M7, space cam M7 Evo. Um, that is the one. Yeah, and I actually did a segment that I don't think I released at NAB about it. That's why I was, I was like, I've seen that before. Um, okay, so so we we've got that. Um, and Tyler, you identified who the the man, man, manufacturer. That's a um, for the yeah, case. Yeah. So one that one thing that's really interesting to me about this is this is made by Beast Grip. It hasn't been released still, even today. Uh, you know, obviously they have them ready. I'm not mm -hmm. sure why they're not available for sale yet. But what was so surprising is at the very end of this whole video, it says special thank you to Beast Grip and someone else is is oh black magic are called out by name towards the end of this commercial or this mm -hmm. spot which was just surprising to me that apple would give special attention to anyone so my guess is, is that together. I, my guess is number 1 is probably black magic gave apple engineers to fit to work on the on the camera a lot of times what ends up happening is you get into one of these productions and you're working with the production company and or you're working with a software manufacturer and i've done this a lot in production you get into a partnership with them and you're and you see us do this with zoom and with other folks we give them tons and tons of feedback and we're like hey we need this and you know we hope to get accelerated in this case they probably needed updates almost every day mm -hmm. so they're asking black magic for a software that's you know is updating it and probably with bscript bscript probably handled handed engineers to apple then apple said well we need a case that does this and we needed to have this and we needed to have this and and they just kept on probably sitting there with a CNC mill machining out these things for Apple until Apple had exactly what it wanted. And probably for that extra effort, they got a little bit of a, with everybody else, they probably bought what they needed. <laughs> you know. And, and in this case, they, they were getting um, custom development. And that's not particularly unusual. You know, in the um, uh, in the in the in in the process of when you're a big company or you're working on something that's high profile to get some you know custom support because it's a really huge opportunity, obviously for Bscript and for Blackmagic to refine what they're you know what they're doing. Now we've got a um, you know some kind of cheese plate down here along with the um, you know with the rails to put. I have a feeling that a lot of times this was going out to some kind of breakout and I'd like to figure out what that breakout is, but it's not like that's going to the, you know, that's not a single output, that's going to some kind of box, um, which we can do now. Oops. Sorry, I'm going too fast. All right, let's back up here. So this also, um, I think I think people have asked whether uh, this was, this set is real or not. Now it may be just a set, but it is a real set. Like we've, I think people have wondered if these labs are real. Like, are they in green screen or is it a lab? And now we know that it's a, there's they're building these on sets, which would be what Apple would do. Um, again, you see the Technocrane here, the same uh, Evo, uh, the M7 Evo here. Um, then there's you can see the teleprompter. I don't see any logos on the teleprompter. I would love to see how they mounted that teleprompter because those lenses on the iPhone are pretty wide. And yeah. to get the uh, teleprompter from cropping, because the the monitor, you know, has to be out in front of the of the phone. I, I think, and that, the I, the glasses are forty five degrees. So I think that you could get that. I mean, I, they I do must think have that, had to put the phone right on top of the glass. Yeah, right up back yeah. against the glass. Yeah, but I also think that you um you can almost see. I can't quite make it out. You can almost see the logo on the side of that. Um, there, I'm not not still not certain. It does look a little beefier than an average uh, prompter people one. 
Yeah, um, it looks so, like about a 21 inch. Uh, yeah, I want to say it almost looks like an auto, auto cue, but I don't think that's the name that I see there. So it's not their logo. Um, the um, but you can see like a lot of area back here. But I think that they this is probably on a on a um, uh, you know this is on rails and the phone the phone you know has one x three or one x is it one it three x five x you yeah, know so, so if they're on the tighter version of the lens. yeah and if this is a yeah so I think you could get through the glass there um I, well, one of the features of the b script is to be able to mount additional glass you don't think they're putting more lenses in front of the phone they I'm, they do in some other places yeah go ahead tyler i'm pretty certain this is all 24 uh, just i mean uh -huh. obviously i don't know this um but i think right. they're on the one x lens with no modifications throughout it oh uh, right Part, because that's going to give you the highest resolution right you're going to get the 48 yeah i mean the sensor is just it's night and day difference you would you would right. see the difference on on the 3x hmm. or on the 0.5 they just they're not the same sensor. They can't keep up. Um, you can also spot throughout the video anytime that they show the interface. It's always a 24 as well. And I also uh, just don't think they'd be using any third-party lenses because that that does defeat some of that purism of like, this is shot on iPhone. Um, right. You know, like adding, the lens is already there from from Apple's perspective. Like their message is like, I we've provided we you it. with the I lenses you I saw need. a lens on it, but maybe not. I, I, yeah, yeah I, I didn't notice any, but... And then you can see this is the control. You can see this is the controller, and I believe that's the controller for the arm. Um, that's what he's controlling there, I believe, um, for that shot, because that doesn't look like a uh, focus pull. Um, here you have. Is that a? Okay, is that a steady cam? It doesn't. It looks like he's. I mean, yeah, it's close to the person he's uh, operating. Yeah, I don't think it is though. I don't. I don't. It doesn't look like a steady cam. Like it doesn't, this part here is not a, that's not a standard steady cam rig. Um, to, to be complete, we have a, a So he's guiding here. a jib maybe? Um, the, uh, wait, I'm confused here. Yeah. Uh, I think he's guiding a jib. You know, I think he's guiding some kind of controller here. I don't think he's, I don't think that's a, I don't think he's, and I think steady cam with a teleprompter is can be hard, but the way he's holding it is not a steady, like there's nothing about that that calls out steady cam. He may just be uh, pulling focus with that right yeah. hand because uh, they have to manually pull focus. Yeah, you can on all see, this. you can see it right. You can, you can see more rigging like over here. I think it's on the, it's on the crane, on a chap. Yeah, on it. uh, it's on a crane. You can see it down at the bottom there supporting it. See the light on a junior stand over here. That's what that, that is. Um, all right, let's see here. And and are we thinking, yeah, this is some kind of, there's something about when they build sets that feel like sets, something about this wall that doesn't feel like, you know, doesn't feel real. Like it feels like there's a four wall. They, they, they you know, that's also, put up somewhere. Also, they put in a low house. ceiling for on purpose, I think. Uh, so they went to a lot of trouble to put that drop ceiling in there. Yeah, there's something about, so the other thing about the drop ceiling is, see the seams? here and here that's unusual for a drop ceiling if, if it was permanent it's very usual if you just drop well, drywall it's probably rolls of muslin is what it is <laughs> it, it could be but it could be just drywall that's been that's been spag it's, it's it's actually remarkable that that apple even let that occur like you know for that and they might have painted it out later um for yeah there you go you can see the set <laughs> there you go so if you're wondering how these sets look when when yeah, they're um 
it's all a set. So they, you know, they, you build out the area that you want and then you have the whole set in here. And, and the reason you're probably wondering why do you build out some of the exterior? You might use it, but also you need to see it at angles through the, through the windows. So when you, you need to see some of that, that hit there and they may be using it for exteriors in a couple of places, but, um, wow, look at the infrastructure there. I'm sorry. I don't usually see that with that kind of thing, but, um, anyway, but, um, yeah, so the, there's, and this is how most of your movies are shot. Is <laughs> is like a um, is is that there? Let's see here. Yeah, but there's, there's a, a lot. Of, there's a translate outside that far window too, which is the backdrop. So here's our little kit in here. Fifteen. I just want to point out fifteen millimeter rails. Or I'm sorry, nineteen millimeter rails, not fifteen millimeter rails. All of our, all of our, like a lot of my stuff. I got kind of into the smaller rail systems with uh, yeah, small small rig right. and everything else. These are the full sized. Um, versions of those. Um, and I then, wonder how much they directly swapped in and out from the last event shoot. You know, how much this is like, okay, just pop off the Alexa and put the yeah. iPhone in its place. I bet you they try to stay as close as they could to it. But they definitely had, um, you know, filmmakers there. Now, this is the little, you know, so this is how you get these all attached is this this little attachment here is the is your rail your rail a rail attachment system that actually looks like the small rig version of that but they're all kind of cheese rig you know cheese plate kind of little mini cheese plates that you put on and it's like a lens a lens support bridge that they've just uh, added a little um, yeah I, custom no, the, engineering but, too yeah uh, it's not even i don't think it's custom engineering I think it's just screwed in here and this is like the mount here this this piece i know that small rig makes because i own like four of them um so i don't know if that's a small rig one or not but it's definitely something that i'm i'm very familiar with so i can't quite out oh i always look for like logos um but this is just the this is just the mount across the across the bottom here um you can see the beast grip mount in this one as well or sorry beast grip logo yeah up at top yeah yeah yeah. yeah. no this is Which I'm, I, I'm i mean i find it surprising really how um you know, they didn't tape anything over. They didn't blur anything out. There's nothing. I mean, they just kind of let all these I, logos fly. I feel like one of the reasons we're doing this show right now, which might get blocked anyway, but is because, you know, the idea is to sell. I, I mean, I'll tell you, you know, people ask, why did Apple do this? For the event that I did yesterday, I had a request of, if I'm delivering footage for you for this event from an iPhone 15, what are the specs? That would not have happened if, if Apple hadn't done this event. Like this is a film company. You know, saying you know, like, what do I need to do to do to deliver um, that? So here's, so now we can get a better idea of the rig here. Unfortunately, it's all motion blurred. Okay, so so we have an AJA that's a, that's is that HDMI to STI, right? So um, so somewhere in here, we're poking an HDMI. This is this is either going straight in, but most likely not. There's probably a lot more going on here. This box is probably holding some kind of uh, bridge, you know, so it's so some kind of breakout, um, you know, so it's, you know, I don't know whether it's, you know, OWC or somebody else, but it's a, a USB-C to an HDMI out and an Ethernet out and a bunch of USB outs and, you know, all those other things is my guess. I don't know what this little end, this, I, I, okay, so they used, a, they bought a right angle. Instead of getting a right yeah, angle, USB. Right angle C. Yeah. Or right, yeah. I would not do I, that, to be my honest. My guess, so there's a close-up of it in other parts, and I think that, uh -huh. that they use the right angle because, although maybe I'm doubting it from this side, from the other side, I had thought it's because they were using their, you know, expensive $130 Thunderbolt Apple cable. Um, that was like my guess. They're yeah, like, well, might... we want to use our good cable, and right. so we'll adapt it instead. 
But no, now that, that there can, seems to be more logo. I don't know what that logo yeah, is actually. So maybe I should guess that. Um, it may not so, have fit inside the teleprompter hood if it went straight out to the right. cable. Well, no, I, I understand the right angle, but I, I have lots of right angles that aren't, um, that aren't, don't, I don't like. don't look like that. Yeah. I don't like, I don't, yeah, I like cables any, that are, yeah. I don't like cables that are, and that would be the wrong one because it wants to go right angle right on the, but the, but I don't like right angles. I don't like right angled converters, I guess is what I would say. Um, then it's sitting on top of a Ronin. So this is the Ronin. I think this is the, the, uh, three. Um, the uh, RC3, I think, is what that small rig, small rig drive sled drive holder up on top there. Oh yeah, you can see the logo. Right There's there. a little yeah. hard drive, and it has the the pink tape is probably the camera department, so they can keep track of which card it is. Yep. Um, and they do they do show gimbal logos at a few different points. So there's an RS3 Pro in play, which I kind of think that's what this one is. And then there's also like the R2 is on the dolly. Which oh, is a bigger setup. You know, Tyler, you're you're coming about blurring out the logos. I, I I do a lot of that. I sometimes I just think it's ridiculous. Some of the stuff that I, I had somebody blur out a Coke logo and it was clearly out of the uh field of fo the depth of field anyway. It was ridiculous. Yeah. But um I mean, what's the point of doing a behind the scenes if you're gonna disguise everything, right? Sure. I mean, I I don't know what they, I'm glad they did. So here's they a little little have, I don't know what that is. Some kind of converter. It looks like a, like it's a limo, like a little uh, limo. Yeah, it's battery break. Oh, maybe it's a limo BDA. Yeah, you know, battery little, distribution. It's not being used right now. Uh, battery distribution box for power for over limo. Uh, but you know, you don't have to blur the logos if if it's not going to be on commercial television. You know. Well, and no one's uh, going to complain about doing having. No one in this thing is going to be complaining about it. Oh, here's a here's a tentacle. So that's yeah. that's how they're, they're that's their time code. So there's that's the tentacle um, there. Where, what is that going into? Right, which a lot of people are asking about what audio system they used. Is that a hint that may, like maybe they're using the whole tentacle audio well, system as well, or are they just using the time code? No, I think, I think they're, they're just injecting time code into the uh, mic input some, yeah. somehow on the iPhone. So yeah, they I can think have that, a reference on the audio. In a perfect situation with this, you would, I mean, you're probably, yeah, they're using, a, they're, I'm sure they're using dual systems. So they're recording the audio separately. They're injecting the, they can, they could fill the whole thing with time code, but they could also, if they're, the way I try to do it is always have uh, right is time code, left is, is not, you know, whatever the camera's picking up. That way it just makes, I can double check my sync. If, if there's any, if there's anything goes wrong with the time code, having audio actually on the camera is super useful. Here, here, I think we can see right here is the breakout. Like that's what they're, and I just don't know, I can't. I can't identify which, <laughs> who makes that one, but I'm sure we could figure it out. There's not that many people who make it. And Apple's only going to use certain ones. They're going to use an anchor or a OWC or a, you know, there's only a handful of them that we could probably figure out what that is, but I don't, I don't know which one it is, but that's what, that's what that cable is going into and then being broken out into all these things here. This is an ethernet, I believe. This is an ethernet um, connection. That's an ethernet adapter, I believe. Yeah. So there's there's your Ethernet connection. There's a lot of stuff going on in these things. Um, okay, so here we could see. Could have used a, a tentacle with Bluetooth connection and gone in with Bluetooth audio into the. Yeah, I would rather. I would always do hardware if I could. Well, the problem is if you're, t you're running the uh, Blackmagic app and they're pulling HDMI video out uh, to record, uh, where right. would you get your input to the uh, iPhone for audio input? Um. You could do it with an audio interface into a USB-C into that into that um, hub. 
yeah, that was when, there. Yeah, when you so run into a hub, hub as long as USB-C yeah. as, as audio input. As long as the hub device. is powered, if the yeah. hub is receiving its own power, which obviously they're yeah. doing, you can you can send back and forth. So you can have audio interfaces, you yeah. can have- And literally that's just a USB, stuff. that'd be like a USB cable to headset, like a TRRS to USB-C. Yeah, for the tentacle to go into. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot of very... those tentacles have a built-in microphone for a reference track anyway. So if you're, right. in case you're tying up the audio input yeah. with your tentacle, then you still have an open mic that you can use as a reference track. As you can see, a very um, well-used uh, space game. It wasn't brand new. It's it's hit a couple things a couple times. Um, uh, typically, that's from the gear that they put on the front of it. They turn it because this, because of all these axes, you can turn it. You know, this this act, inner axis can spin this way, and then it allows it to spin that way as well. Um, and you know, so there's, and then this one lets it spin the other way, and so it's easy to run things into other things. That's what you're seeing there. There's that little right angle. I we got to figure out. I I don't know what right angle version that is, but we're gonna have to figure it out. Not for any reason other than okay. So here's all black magic. So we see resolve in the background. Um, what monitor are they? I don't know. This monitor, I don't know what that is. Um, I can't quite. Looks read like that. a Sony. It doesn't look like it actually doesn't look like a Sony. These aren't the right buttons for a Sony. They're too small. Sony doesn't make buttons that small. It 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 um um. But I don't. I don't. We have to look a little closer on that one um, to see if we can figure. Let's see here. Um, oh, and earlier I missed. I missed. Uh, I'm going to try to keep. I'm going to try to keep this open here. But um, when we were talking about the arm earlier, uh, that wasn't a. It was a. Um, Mickey thinks it was a bazooka on a Chapman, which I think is makes sense. Um, and then the. Um, these are all the Black Magic control panels uh, for for what he's doing there. So there's not much in this shot that we need to worry about. Let's see here. Let me get back to get this back to the front here. Uh, all right, let's go. Sorry. Do do do. He's chit chatting. Let's go. All right. Let's see if we find anything new here. Oh, there, you know, here. What's interesting to me is what's going on outside that window. Yeah. What is going on but outside I, but there? I don't really know. Yeah, I was gonna. I was trying to. I was gonna try to get my brother into into here because he'll know what the, all that stuff is that's happening outside that window, and I don't know for sure. That looks like a mirror. Um, obviously, they're covering stuff up there, but I. Well, I can tell you one thing that's happening inside that is coffee. Coffee is happening <laughs> um, on the on the other side. I think that's just uh, some random uh, stuff out there, and most likely the you plastic know. is literally just for dust. I mean, I don't know. It kind of looks like, like a, a desktop image on a large monitor from a computer. No, I think that's a window. I think it's just. I think that just happened. I mean, outside the window, you know, uh, maybe. maybe. What I find most interesting about all this is like what's kind of hidden, in, like what they forgot to to kind of paint over or, or do something to, and how mm -hmm. when the real behind the scenes comes through. So this morning, I actually did. You guys notice that they they posted the full video. Uh, the night of the event and then pulled it down off of YouTube, then reposted it the next morning. And that's what we're watching right now. We're reviewing 
the replaced right. one. So I was wondering if they had hidden something and I went through frame by frame the version they pulled down and the new one and I, I couldn't spot anything. I was really hoping I'd be able to come up with like the, you know, here's the secrets Apple doesn't want you to know, but yeah. they appeared to be identical. <laughs> they, Maybe they, they, they got you a YouTube strike against themselves. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> they got pulled down. And um, by the way, uh, um, uh, Robert uh, Lickram says that it's a Panasonic, that monitor that we were looking at before. Um, and Scott Tupper said maybe a Flanders. So, um, and then James Callahan thinks that these are Army 90 degree right angle USB-C. Let's see if that's the, let's see if that looks like the right one here. Hold on. Um, he's asking, is that the one? It's kind of the lab. It's, if I can keep the comments up, I can, um, it makes it easier. I... Angle. I don't know if it looks quite like that. It's got kind of an interesting front head to it that I'm not sure if that's the, let's see. I don't think that that's the one, at least the, let's see. trying to look at the front of it. Um, cause all we can see is the front of it. I don't think that's it. It looks like a really nice one. Um, you know, I, I'm going to probably buy one of those, but I, I don't think that's the, it's a 40, gig um right angle it's really nice um anyway all right so let's uh let's go back to our regularly scheduled program um it lo does look like they you know i guess mounting this was a pretty big deal now this is a um by the way um this is a i believe a, a small rig battery one of the 99s that looks like a 99 mm -hmm. small rig battery um, yeah, you don't think? it could be. I mean, in other ones, you can really see that they're using multiple Anton Bowers. That, like, there's okay. some shots where there's two mounted, well, there's one mounted to the side, which we're looking at there, and then there's one mounted on the back as well. Oh, okay. So uh, this shot like doesn't make look. it as clear, but, but later you can see logos as well. All right. Oh, and then, then you can also see, for a lot of us, you choice like choice of wristband. <laughs> So there's the, there's your all, there's your access wristband for that, for that camera operator. Um, so that usually tells you that they also, they shot it probably during the shoot, but they, but they, uh, it's not like they built a new shoot to show behind the scenes because you probably wouldn't keep the wristband there. But, um, I collect those wristbands. I don't like during a, like a three or four day shoot, I won't take any of the wristbands off because if they don't get my name on another day, um, I, uh. Um, I can always show the other five and go, really, I was here for five days and I can't get into this one. It's, it's helpful. All right. Um, so that, do we think that's an RS2? Yeah, we get a clean shot of it coming up. Okay. Uh, if you, if you, I wouldn't stay on this one too long. You get a really clear shot in a, in a minute. Okay. So we'll come back to that one. Um, the uh so here's your the the premiere the premiere uh shot here um with some uh, app obviously some apple monitors and a laptop in the front because of course you would use a laptop instead of a mac pro and no um, mouse or keyboard and no mouse and keyboard it's it's uh, i i feel like that such a weird um such a weird your design decision for this i guess because you're you're talking about laptops you're not talking about mac pros and so i guess they they're going to show you could do this all with your laptop but no one ever would no one would do this or maybe somebody would i don't know who would do that we can ask but no one would do that like you'd have a mac pro or a mac studio and you'd be editing with but that's not what they were showing here um i don't know what the speakers are i wish i did 
This kind of stuff, by the way, when I used to do studios would drive me crazy. Um, that one panel that's a little darker than the other ones. I, I'll, if I, I had a studio like that and I looked at it every time I walked in and I was like, I got to replace that panel. Um, all right, let's... Uh, I don't know who make... Okay, we're going to get really geeky. I don't know who makes these. They That's the beefiest monitor-like uh, DIT setup I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I don't, but I, I'm, I'm not sure who uh, who does that. Hold on, I got this thing back, backwards here. Um, let's see here. Uh, sorry, my mouse is a little bit little bit funky here. Um, I'll try to keep that one open. Uh, so it could be custom custom machined and engineered. Setso, or is that a Betso? Right, a Betso uh, smart smart slate. Oops, sorry, my thing is still up there. So Betso, and Betso is not one that I'm familiar with. It looks nice. Um, That's a I'm new not, one. Yeah, they're relatively new, and it, I like the uh, the pixelated numbers is instead of seven segment or twenty four segment displays. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a it's a it's a very pretty looking uh, um, slate. Um, they're really into these. This is that Chapman uh, dolly back here with these this huge rig, and this is what you were talking about earlier. Um, Tyler, the, the the you had the egg crates yeah, on there, like snap grids, yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, good 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 form there with the uh, with the um, one handed uh, one handed thing, and then not. I have a, so I have a pet peeve about slates. I don't know how long he held it there, but when people snap the slate and then move it while they're like closing it, it's a pet peeve of mine. Like. It's all, I actually, when we Well, this shoots, one does have strobe LEDs when the, the sticks hit. Did you notice that? I, yeah. Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's See nice. It? There. That's nice. So that gives you a definite sync mark, uh, even if the, even if the sticks are moving. Yeah. It drives me crazy. Like I, when I shoot, you have to wait for me to pull, call pull sticks. And I just do that to stop someone from doing that. And so I just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be like market and then I'll say pull slate. <laughs> I, I like do that, that strobe though. The strobe is a really nice addition. Yeah, absolutely. You can tell, definitely see this is like a faux set. You know, like it's got the little like painterly, we made this look rough, even though, you know, like it's not, Apple would never, ever have a set. I mean, never have an actual office with the edges looking that rough. Just saying, like that would never happen at an Apple, at Apple. Yeah, the spaces between the panels are not identical. <laughs> well, it's just that they're rough. It's like someone painted in, like, yeah. we're going to make it look industrial, and that's just not what Apple would do there. Um, so to get geeky again, I don't know who makes this. Um, um, who makes that there? It's just a rig, but I'm just, you know, so just saying. Cheese plate uh, with three quarters and, and Yeah, but it's somebody, obviously, if it's, if it's machine, somebody's making it. I just don't know who, I don't know who that is. It looks like it almost looks like a dove plate, but I don't think it is. I don't think it's a dove I think plate. it is a dove. It's a, it's base a dove plate. plate. Yeah. Um, but I don't know why it would have quarter and three eighths yeah. on the end of it. We'll, have to, we'll do some research there. Um, then, um, wow, there's so much to talk about here. Yeah, there's a lot in these. Yeah. So um, this one's heavy. So we think these are sky panels, probably um, there. Uh, these, I don't know. We're going to have to do some more research on these on these monitors. I don't know. It does look like they might have. Uh, this one looks like it might have gotten gaffed off. Somebody didn't give them. Uh, no, maybe not. There's maybe a. Maybe it's Flanders down here. Does it? I don't. 
I'll have to look at that. Um, I think it might be a Flanders, but I'm not sure what that handle is at the top. Yeah. Yeah, I have to, I don't know what monitors they're using here. I'm not I'm not as good at production monitors as as others. Uh definitely looks like a Wacom tablet. Um this is a wait uh Wacom Wacom tablet. Um that's there. Um there's it does look like the these look like kind of like stream decks, but they're cut off somehow. I don't know exactly what's going on. It looks like he's got one here and one here, but I don't know what those are. These look like these are black magic recorder. Oh, this is a no, that's a um that is a Terranex. So that's a Terranex converter um, that's there. And this is an Azure Mac Pro. Um, anything else that we can see in there? Another one of these handled. Who can find? Question is, who can find the handled monitor first in our viewership? <laughs> Let us know what they think that actually is. Um, good, ch good choice for AI that does image recognition. Exactly. We need to throw one of those into into Google and ask, like, what is that? Uh, here you can see, I don't know what this what they're doing with this other than, I guess, stabilizing it. Is, this, is that what they're... Oh, I think, well, I think that's... You see in other shots that that is a, a sort of a backstage fluorescent. Like, I think they're just lighting... It was lighting up the camera card oh, it is. in previous ones. So I think it's for the crew or for okay. BTS. And, and it's just I'm, off to the side. And then this is interesting that the, you know, this is, I think this is important. This is, they're, they're basically just cartoning off the, um, all this production, this GAC. I think a lot of people don't, I think that that's what they're doing here. I think a lot of people don't do that. And I think it's always a mistake. I, I always try to keep all, as much for the actors away from them, like, so that they don't see anybody. I don't know, that doesn't look like a standard floppy, you know, 16 by black. No, floppy. no, no. We it's use, usually we use what curtains. they use. No, I use curtains. Well, because curtains are so much nicer. <laughs> curtains don't come off the grip truck. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's why. You know, here's the funny thing: is that's why I use curtains, is because they don't come off the grip truck, and I I get to. What happens after you? If you go to a client and you and you elevate it a little bit, um, and uh, you use things that they don't that don't come off the grip truck, the client will look down on everybody after you. It's, it looks it's a like really it has, funny effect. It, it looks like it's vinyl. It looks like vinyl because yeah. it's got a kind of a sheen to it. You know? I think it's I think it's vinyl on the back side and and I think it's uh, felt on the front side. But we'll see. Uh, by the way, uh, Mickey pointed out that's a small HD um, uh, small HD Cine twenty four. So that that's what this well, that's is. That's what here. the mystery monitor is. The mystery yeah, monitor yeah. is a small HD. We still don't know what this one is. Although I, the it logo, controls at the top. That's the the logo says kind of says to me it wants to be a I keep on wanting to make it Flanders because I always think that that's what you use there but so here's um here's our so we have Same our space, space cam, cam head mounted on the on the a beautifully uh, machined base dolly, uh, yeah. just that makes me so happy looking at it um and then uh it looks like a battery on the back that is in between it is and I actually think this might actually be a ranger um, that's there. Um, the Ranger has a couple different options for these um, these uh, antennas, and you can package it. You can sandwich it. Um, uh, you can sandwich it in between the battery and the camera, or the battery in this case, the camera set. Also, those are those are lead counterweights or some type of steel counterweights for the prompter on the bottom. Then, yeah. Oh, in the back have to balance that out. The weight of that prompter, which is a pretty yeah. good sized prompter on that. Uh, head has to be balanced so. and you can see it's on a chap chapman here because you can see mm -hmm. the you can see the handle here the chapman's got a cool thing it's got like this uh, pneumatic thing that you can kind of let it go and and you know for bringing things up and down 
which makes it great. Um, I think that's, it's just hard to get into this little kit to figure out what they, everything they put into there. Um, I do think it's interesting that on the last one that we showed, they didn't, they didn't put gaff tape over the logo, but they did on this one. So see this, this is, uh, there's gaff tape there and there wasn't on the other one. I think it was farther away. I think they identified it and decided they didn't want to show it. I actually think that, that one specifically looks like a, actually looks like an ICANN, the ICANN 12 inch that I, I have a couple of, um, what is that keyboard space? Oh, that's the space cam controller. So this is the, this is the, the head of the controller there. Um, the operator's console. Yeah, that's the operator's yeah. console. It looks cool. Um, don't know what monitor that is. It could be the same one there that we saw. There's no handle on it though. What's the logo at the top? Top center. Split um, up. I can't, I can't read it. Something. I can't see it either. I don't have a big enough monitor. No, I think that's time code. I think that's in the oh, screen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think oh, so. Oh yeah, that's the yeah, that's the viewfinder. Just guys looking up. Let's see here. All right. Yeah, so there you have. So it, you, that's think back it, outdoors in front of the building, right? Yeah. Now. So that's what Tyler was talking about is getting a better angle of you can see both of these can't both of these lights and again you can animate those but the biggest reason I would put those those lights onto Chapman's like that I mean if you have the money is because you can move them quickly you can say I want to do another setup I want to make some adjustments I want to do something else and you can you can super quickly get them to where they need to be and that's that's a really when production when you have 50 people standing there time is actually money i think it's actually actually equals time actually equals money well and there's some other oh. shots where you can see them uh doing like effects with them where they pull back and fade them at the same time for this oh, yeah. like you know lights coming down look where they're they're actually using it to you know visually emphasize right. so like they're, it's a, a bit of technique as well and some other ones one little tip and here actually, is that Oh, that whatever I, teleprompter I we're using, it's got a light on the front, so it might make it easier for us to find it. Yeah, go ahead, Tyler. I noticed that uh, at one thirty-two, you can actually see clearly the back of those sky panels, and I'm not familiar enough with them to know what there is, but you can uh, you can really see the lights in in oh. full in daylight. This, by the way, answers the question of are they standing in front of a uh, of a uh, LED wall? Yeah, that is an is, LED wall, but I think the, it's on the stage. It is on the stage. Oh yeah, yeah, location. yeah. But I'm saying I, I bet you that they do it all the time that way. So here's your uh, drone footage. Uh, I don't think I can make out much. Notice of there's no smoke in that in that uh, scene. Shot. So that's where they added all all the smoke was CGI. Yeah. I think they did that rainbow thing for Lady Gaga, and I don't know if they've ever taken it away. Oh, I see you're, yeah, you're getting there. See, so that right there. That's a set, yeah. But, but what, see the little move that they did? Yeah. How long would that take if those were on stands? <laughs> 
Well, you could get it that's stands like, that's on like wheels, the but they'd be very noisy. That's uh, the problem. They're on well, dollies because they but, can move but two of them silently. Together, you know? Two of them together. Like, it's just, to be able yeah. to move it, it's just so fast. Yeah. Sorry. It's just, but that's why you, you, you can adjust things just so much faster for something that, that, okay. So is this what you were talking about, Tyler, or is it? Yeah. This is when we get the clear shot. Okay. You can see a logo somewhere. Of, of which part? Uh, the gimbal. Um, Oh, that trying to look at it on my screen too. I can see it more clearly. Well, that gimbal is an either a that's, that's a, a DJ that's a two or three, right? RS two or RS three. Oh. Yeah, that one. Uh, and then this one is the space cam. Sorry, that's the space cam. Oh yeah, this is three. You can see RS three on the, the logos in there. Oops, Did I get that? I got I got it lost in my playback. Yeah, RS3. You know what else you can see here? They're not centering. In others, you can see that they're centering to the main lens. And here, it's actually off-center. Yeah. From like, a, you know, they just let it be, they mm -hmm. they let it be, the center be weight-based instead of camera-based. Right. A little parallax there, too. Um, there, you can see the hard drive on the top. Also, those are, this is, I don't this know is if a counterweight. those are lacy drives. Um, they didn't shoot this in dimensional video, did they? They just shot it flat, right? They just shot, I think they shot this one flat, although they could have. It'd be really interesting. Well, I don't they think they can use the LiDAR oh, with the. Uh, so this is not a sky drone. panel. Oh, that's the overhead. I don't know who makes that, that light, but this is a big pillow light. So it's. Um, I believe, yeah, because you can see the you can see the wires here. So these lights are actually, I mean, when we do the sky, when we do um, this, we fill them with actual, when we do the uh, air stars, we, and this might be an air star, it could be, yeah, I, be we fill them star. with actual helium. Like we this actually is, fill them with helium to, and they float. Either that or they went to, to Costco and got one of those inflatable mattresses and threw some LEDs in. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think that, <laughs> that, that, that one, but I think, so what happens is one, these wires hold it in place and you can tighten them to, to kind of place them. And one of the wires has a pump that pushes, that's constantly pushing helium into it. Yeah, you're gonna say something, Tyler? Yeah, if you fast forward to 131, it just might be a good moment because they really clearly show it in daylight. So you can kind of identify everything in it. Um, I know it's that, jumping that, ahead, that, but it's uh, it's probably where we'll you'll back. be able to identify that one. I think we may, we, uh, this is a little hard because now we're gonna have to come back to it. I don't even know. Oh, you can't where, see man. the time code? Oh, okay, there, I yeah, can't, yeah. No. Oh, there. Oh. No more. There's a clearer shot right before the dolly. Oh. There. Oh, there we go. Oh, they're hanging it. Okay, never mind. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, it's not in a uh, helium film. It's just something nope. the grips rigged. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's on a. That's a big old. That's just this is oh, just yeah, a construction crane. <laughs> just yeah, a construction yeah. crane, uh, with a lot of and man, a lot of safety and um. And a lot of insurance there. And those are the that light directly over right top over of, uh, <laughs> right over. Nothing like taking the CEO of the company and putting a giant thing that could kill him over top of him. It's uh, well, it happens all the time. I know. Yeah. It's just I'm just saying. It's not a. I'm just saying. Uh, let's see if, if we missed anything. What here. about that, that CLHD? Yeah. Let's see. There's a pile of let's see batteries. Let's see. We, that's their back. Okay, that... so let's back up here. This is where we were. Let's. All right. I don't know who makes that drone. There's a no, logo here. Um, on at least the propeller. Yeah. But I don't know. Is it an octocopter? 
No, it's a quad, I think. Well, it's eight. It is octa technically, but it's four. It's it's above and it's below. It's above below octa. Yeah. Yeah. Over on makes that. And it's a. Uh, this is, I think, typically it's a it's a uh, first person. You know. Uh, I don't know. Well, it's got a first person camera on it for the yeah. pilot. Yeah. Now this one is interesting because they didn't put all the heavy rigging that they had before. I don't know who makes this this down here. It looks very nice. I mean, it's it looks kind of like a small rig. Um, I think they make some of these a, ball just heads. A ball, yeah, ball it's a ball head, but I mean, it's a nice ball head. I mean, there's a lot of different levels of quality on ball heads. I can I can say for and and this one's a. What's nice about this one is the big handle <laughs> and the spring loaded. Kind of reminds me of the wooden camera one. Oh yeah, I think you're right. I think that might be a wooden camera one, and this is a really nice interface up here. So I mean, ball heads are. There are lots of ball heads, but they are definitely not all created equally. Um, there's so there's your Ethernet, Ethernet and here, double dragon. What the heck is? That? <laughs> some glyph uh, here. They call, they call it the double dragon. Let's see here, we are not going to get to the end of this. There's HDR log. These guys talk about how great it is. We've already talked about that. There's the app. Uh, there's the there's the right angle. And uh, yeah, it's interesting to see like the ISO is at 55. I didn't even know it went down that low. It's an interesting color choice, 3720. And then look at the heart, how hard they're pushing the tint on it, which I think is interesting. I don't usually, don't usually do that. Um, let's see here. Wacom, uh, Wacom, I'm trying to get better at Wacom tablet. Uh, who makes this console? This is this is what we saw before, but I can't quite make out that that's a an item I don't know. I don't know that item either. Here's our this is our our small HD. Still don't know who makes this one. Although I feel like we should be able to find that logo there. Um, maybe Flanders. I keep wanting to go back to Flanders, even if it's not a Simpsons show. <laughs> Um, this is the, this is the shot that had me just go, what, what are no, they doing? Follow focus. And the follow focus. I was like, they hooked a follow focus. Now, I think that there's, I don't know if that's, is, Tyler, is that publicly available yet? It, like, does it work? Uh, that was yeah. a, so that's I got a probably the most, yeah, I got the most questions about this. Yeah. It's just a, t a tilt the nucleus M, yeah. I guess, but, um, yeah, I, got a picture of I, the, I saw uh, mixed, mixed comments here. on whether it's working yet some people um, have said it works fine and I mean, it's um, got, it's, i think because a lot of the comments were like why are they doing this because you know these aren't people in production and um right. i think they didn't fake this shot you know i think this is only included if they're actually using it and it completely makes sense that they'd be pulling focus even though you know i'm sure autofocus works great on an iphone but uh, uh well not if it's using things. lidar and you're using a teleprompter in front of it <laughs> yeah that's true. And it's going into a 45 piece of gla reflective glass. And, and uh, Adrian Watkins says it's uh, for, uh, it said only Tilta Nucleus M and Nano 1 are supported, Nano 2, hopefully later this year. So I guess the, the thing there. But uh, yeah. That's a pretty shot. Yeah. <laughs> of the days. That probably came from an iPhone commercial, the 15 commercial. They cut that in. And I think that Nikki said something is a 40 by 40 butterfly, but I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's the, I don't know what that's referring to. Mickey, put, put that the back overhead. in. 
Oh, the overhead might be a 40. Tell me what, what you meant by that there. There's the dolly doing the big move. Telly Grip's about to have his crescent wrench fly out of his pocket. Yeah. There's the premiere shot. We're still upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> and a laptop. That doesn't make any sense. You would not do that on a laptop. It's weird. Running premiere on an Apple laptop. <sighs> well, it's also interesting because, like, this is clearly not her edit station. Like, right. Where they're so, like, they set it back up and cracked open premiere. Yeah. yeah. They didn't definitely show the do by accident. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Mickey said the flown diffusion is an ex in the exterior is a butterfly with a grid and skirted. That's what you know. There you go. Oh, and that's it. Oh, man, did we make it? We actually got to the end of this thing. <laughs> I'm sure there's a thousand details we missed. Yeah, but it's it's good. Yeah. A lot of fun oh, stuff I there. Can see, I can see a, a monitor logo. The center one that they're using in the DaVinci suite is a TriMaster EL4K. You can see you, there's um at 150 you can clearly see it. I just see a little bit more when I'm watching on YouTube. I can see more through than through this live stream here. So Let's see if we next time we'll do it with time code so you can call it out. Yeah, yeah. This is the first time we've done this, so we're this is, oh, but I I do think that you're right. That's a trimester. That makes more sense. Um. With an Apple one, of course, because of course that's what you would do. Um, cool. That was good. <laughs> it's important, I mean, you know, when we see behind, we, one of the things that we're doing this with the Apple one, but I, I want to take more behind the scenes of just movies and everything else and do what we did here, because I think that there's so much you can learn about how people are doing this. And it's one of the things that, that we learn, um, uh, that I learned when I'm on sets is you see all these little things that people are using and wacky ways that they're doing it. And you, the idea is to hopefully absorb as much as you possibly can. You were going to say something, Tyler? Yeah. I'm just really grateful that Apple did this kind of behind the scenes that actually was relatively open and more yeah. focused on the technical. I just, I find so much, there's so much fluffy behind the scenes these days. It's hard to yeah. find, you know, a movie that really gave you a breakdown of the gear and like there's less and less of those detailed uh, BTS they aren't just interviewing actors, you know. Um, so I, I was really grateful to see so much in a relatively short yeah. clip. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I Apple think that, almost never does behind the scenes because the NDAs yeah. are so tight that they yeah. don't ever want that stuff anywhere edited anywhere, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And you can see, I mean, this is this is what a production with an iPhone looks like when you have all the money. Because Apple's not like there's nothing mm -hmm. there was no time on this shoot where someone said, How much is that gonna cost? <laughs> yeah. Like there was well, no like guys, it was all like I mean they might ask but just so they could write the check but they're not asking like can we make that less expensive or whatever in this case it was like whatever you need to do to make this a great you know this has got to feel real yeah we're gonna say have, have you guys done anything with the iPhone yet like uh, what's your what's your feeling working with the Apple Log and black magic workflow have you have you tried it for anything significant yet or just I haven't done anything for significant I've been doing tests with it um, and uh, man do I love it. Like it's just, it's yeah. really, you know, I, I, sh I just shot stuff with my kids, but right. I was kind of amazed at what I could shoot and what I could then go back and take into resolve and fix. And yeah. it was. Well, yeah, it's just, just before starting this stream. So I'm doing the iPhone right now and I was going to just do like the, the uh, continuity cam. Yeah. And then instead I ran it through the HDMI out. So this is the Apple log with a lot on top of it, oh, clean yeah. feed HDMI out. And I'm just like, this is night and day. This does not look the same as yeah. 
what I, you know, we, the iPhone look is gone. We can do something real now. Yeah. Um, the, I, I'm just, I'm, a, I'm actually really quite shocked what they're able to get out of that Apple log because it looks better than a sensor that size should. Yeah. I, it's, I'm, I'm definitely about to do a lot with it. I'm going to, I'm, I keep on talking about the, these infamous quote unquote, infamous, um, uh, countdown clocks that I'm about to do. And, uh, but they're, and I was going to do them with black, a black magic camera. And I've decided that I'm probably gonna do it with the iPhone because it's a little easier for me to do it. The idea is to capture ambisonic sound and then capture log footage and then capture, um, a probe so that I can light my countdown clocks, my 3d countdown clocks. So I can light them and then put them into a scene. And, and, and I may still shoot some of them with a black magic camera. I might shoot with a couple different cameras, but the point was that I wanted to make them look really, you know, HDR, you know, for our HDR shows. And, um, and, uh, anyway, so I, but I think I'm going to be shooting a bunch of it with the iPhone and I'm going, hopefully if my foot's, I hurt my foot, but I, if it's better, I'm going to try to go to the beach this weekend. Well, so this was a really common question and I'd, I'd love to know your guys' take on it. When is a case that, you know, you'll have all the, you have whatever camera you want available sitting next to you, but you will still choose to pick up an iPhone. Cause I think there's a lot of skepticism of like, oh, well, of, of course Apple did this to promote well, themselves, I, but what will be a real world use case where you will choose that so smaller camera? The, the, the use case that I would say that, that didn't happen, we ended up using something else, but I got a request last week, late last week, we have to shoot an insert for you for your show. We had a show yesterday and we have to shoot some actors and they're not, you know, they were in another country and, and, um, and they, and they said, what are the specs? They ended up using a, a bigger camera, but they said, if we have to, what are the specs on the iPhone 15 that we can use to give you something that you can actually show? And I was like, okay, here it is. And I said, I need, you know, in our case, I was like, we don't want 24, we want 60, we want 59.94. I want an Apple ProRes. Um, if you can give me 4K, H, uh, 4K HQ, which means you're gonna have to put a drive on it. But if you can't, you can drop down to 29.97 and send it to me that way and it'll be okay. And, but the fact that I was giving them, I as soon as I finished the email and sent them that, I was like, I cannot believe I just gave like, prospects to someone on how to shoot an interview. So I don't think, I think Apple obviously has taken it a little further than most of us would. If, if any of us had any, you know, at any budget, you know, at one budget I'd be using, I mean, I, I own a lot of black magic cameras, so that's easy for me to throw in there at any budget. I tend to lean into Venice's and Aries, you know, like a, that tends to be where we, you know, for a lot of our stuff, um, all the stuff I did yesterday, my production was all black magic and worked great. Um, the, um, but the, uh, but, but I, you know, when any budget, when I'm given any budget in the world, I usually use Aries, um, for, for that. Um, but I will say that for pickup shots, for insert shots, for interviews, uh, for news, for really, you know, you wanting to have a little bit of extra for your promo and you, and you know, and I do almost all of my training on my iPhone and I've done that for years because it's so fast. I can, yeah. I can go down here and I can go up here and then I put it down here and it's over here. Well, and now being able to do that and now be able to color it. Yeah. Man. I think a lot of the attention was given to, you know, really tightly controlled productions like this Apple one. Well, they won't typically choose an iPhone. And I think that's true. You know, most yeah. movies aren't going to choose an iPhone, but there's just, most of, most of the videos that get made are more in the world that I am, which is more like smaller commercial productions, you yeah. know, like 10, 20 person teams and being able to grab inserts. I, I mean, yeah. think, think about travel content, which is something I've done yeah. quite a bit in the past. It, I, I will often probably end up choosing to shoot it on like a lot of just wides of scenery and stuff. Why yeah. not shoot it on the phone? It's fully stabilized. Yeah. Don't need to put it on a gimbal. I can just walk around and nobody will spot the difference. It will well, that, actually match. That movie, uh, The Florida Project, if you saw that, you know, it's about uh, this 
guy who lives in a, a flea bag motel outside of Disney World. And they, they wanted to shoot the last scene inside Walt Disney World, inside the Magic Kingdom. They did not have permission. And so they shot it all on an iPhone without permission, grabbed it wild, and it's the last scene when the movie is all shot on the phone. Although the, you know, area Lexus were used for the rest of the movie, but uh, yeah, they brought it in for that. And I've worked on promos for a lot of features where we'll, we'll shoot with a Canon 300 or Alexa uh, for the promos, the interviews, uh, celebrity interviews. And then they'll go to do the social uh, releases for those same interviews and they'll whip out the phone and they shoot all the social stuff directly on the phone. Uh, because and I guess they want that handheld look and they shoot it portrait. I saw someone yesterday. Yeah, they was, shoot it portrait. <laughs> so in the project that I was working on, there was a whole bunch of big posters and walls and stuff like that. It was red carpet. And this woman walked by and she was obviously from social. She just kind of walked by with her phone in vertical, just like, this is how, you know, and then she she waved at everybody and they all yelled and screamed as she walked down. And she's just kind of walking along with her phone. And, and as a camera person, I'm like, what is she doing? Like, why, how is that even usable content? But she, that was what they were going to put out. I was like, okay. Another um, thing Apple so. did here too is the built-in LUTs in Final Cut are a like perfect match, which doesn't always happen. I mean, I find, you yeah. know, like Canon's, if you use the default Canon LUTs or Sony LUTs, they do not look like a great Rec. 709 conversion. Like yeah. the, I would never use any of the manufacturer conversions but what apple did with apple log in final cut only because you can't really yeah. get anywhere else just looks like normal iphone footage like it really right. transforms it so if you are mixing it if you're shooting both social and real content you shoot it all in log you can make it look like that casual you know shot on a phone look or you can yep. throw a more like a you know do a da vinci color space transform and all of a sudden it looks like real footage yeah it's great Hey Tyler, thanks for thanks for stopping in and being part Absolutely. of our little conversation. Maybe we might try to drag you in more often if you're if you're for up sure. For no, it. thanks, Alex. Great yeah, to be really, here. I mean, it's awesome. Really, really great to have you. Um, and uh, thanks to the rest of the panel uh, for your time. Uh, we can't do this without you. For great first hour, second hour. Thanks to the uh, the producers asking answering some of our questions <laughs> today, and also asking a lot of questions uh, for uh, in keeping this conversation going. A quick reminder: if your if your questions go back in the first hour, of course they go back to you. You can go into the little hamburger. Uh, in Makana and pull them back out again. And if you put them into um, into the with the QR code, of course we can um, we'll pull them back in another day. Uh, so just they're not lost; they're just simply put back on the shelf. So you can bring them back in the next day. Um, but thanks to the to all the producers for all the great questions, and uh, thanks to the incredible team on the back end that makes this happen seven days a week um, in all kinds of challenges. We've moved the kit. We're using different systems and we do it seven days a week. We've been doing it. We haven't missed a day since March 25th, 2020. So we've been doing this uh, every day for quite some time. And it's just an incredible team that manages it, that that uh, manages the back end, manages the technical, keeps on developing the hardware and software that we need to make this work. And just really appreciate everybody's contribution. We, uh, we have a couple announcements. Uh, Tony Mobley is back. He's going to be talking to Ken Jordan tomorrow about ChatGPT and making images and all kinds of other uh, AI sorcery. Um, so look out for, um, for Tony Mobley's show. The, there's more details in the email that goes out. And, uh, and also a reminder that today is the show workshop. So if you're trying to figure out, should I be a host or a, or a panelist or a reader, or if you want to look a little bit of the back end, or if you want to use test your Zoom ISO, uh, that's at noon Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can jump into that. And so check that out in the email as well. Um, we traveled um, 45,000 miles answering all these questions today. That's 73,000 kilometers. And that is 363 million 
bananas for scale. All right, let's go ahead and jump into After Hours. So great to have you, Tyler. That's good. Really glad we got that worked out. Sorry, it was such a last minute. Last minute. No, of course. Here's the no, I was I, the, the, the the what was going to start out as a simple production yesterday turned into like a week of you know moving fast. <laughs> That's so, usually so the case. I lost I lost track of time. So anyway, but yeah, no uh, yeah the, the phone looks great. The phone no, looks great. I mean, I what? am constantly shocked again. I keep expecting. I'm like, maybe I overrated it. Maybe maybe yeah. it's not as good as I imagined. And then I go back oh. and I look at it again. I'm like, no, this looks like. Yeah. Every other camera. I mean, you know, or it looks like a um, micro four thirds, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's really good. All right. Yeah, thanks. Cool. See you later. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye.